Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. There's only a couple guys in the whole world that make me love pro wrestling, and you're one of them. You know all the bad shit you've heard about us? It's all true. But another thing that's true is we love professional wrestling, and that's why we're here. I'm not sports entertainment anymore. Talk to him, kid. This is a new beginning, and it starts tonight! A new day is dawning for DX. So who you talking to? What's up, X-Pac 12360 fans? We're coming at you from AfterBuzz TV Studios with a brand new episode. We are going to have legend Jerry Briscoe on the show today. We'll also be breaking down the top pro wrestling news headlines. My name is Christy Olson. Thank you so much for coming to jam with us today. You can always keep up with me at Christy Reports. And the gang is all here. We got Jimbo on the couch. What's Hi, up? Hi, Christy. How are you? Hello. I'm good today. I'm feeling it. Oh, it's going to be a good it? one. I am. Mark, what's up in the booth? Feeling that positivity. Yeah, we like it. And of course, the reason you've probably all tuned in today, the one and only Sean X-Pac Waltman. <laughs> You guys are laying it on way too thick for me this morning. Are we too chipper? <laughs> or it's this afternoon. Oh, no, it's still this morning. Yeah, dude. All right. Anyways, yeah. You guys are in such a good mood. Actually, <laughs> I'm in a great mood. Well, yeah, you kind of came yeah. in, I feel like, and, and spread it around. Yeah, well, I came in kind of, you know, low-key and, you know, like a kind of a sloth. And I just, I'm saving it. People, when I, you know, when I... When I'm at a show, before mm-hmm. the show, like a couple hours before the show, up until show time, you know, a lot of times that people that don't know me, they haven't been around me, they're like, X-Pac okay? Like, what's wrong with them? Because I'm just, like, I'm real quiet. I'm just real, you know, really ultra mellow. Yeah. And um, I'm just saving it. I'm saving it for when I go through the curtain, you know? Don't want don't want to spend any unnecessary energy. No wasted effort. With tomfoolery behind the scenes. <laughs> so. Well, that makes sense. Same, the same with this morning. Oh, I like that. I yeah. like that. Well, how was your? What's up lately? Like, how you? What are you doing? Are you? Are you coming in tired today? And no, late I, night last night. You get to bed early. What's were you up? At the it, no, no, I wasn't. I st- I've been staying. I've been staying in like a good boy. Oh, yeah. What brought that on? Uh, I just. I don't know because it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> Seriously, it doesn't make a bit of difference. I still seem to get to bed around the same time. Actually, lately I've been getting to bed later. Who gives it? S H I. People care. I'm trying to we're be trying, nice about my. Right, I'm trying to be good about that. Who cares about what time I went to bed? You guys seem to, huh? Yeah. Uh, hey, I was at. Tell us more, Snoop Dogg. Pup, pup, pass. There we go. Little, That's yeah, what we want to talk weekend. about. Yeah. That's right. Did Too you? Short, Snoop Dogg, uh, Bone Thugs, um, 
uh, Mac 10. That was, I was oh, really wow. excited okay. to see Mac 10 from uh, West Side Connection. I don't know if you guys know this, but NWO, like For Life, all that stuff, mm-hmm. that came from West Side Connection. Really? Yeah. For Life. And I'm not going to. Come on, we, so, can get, we can hit the music. No. No. Anyways, no concert? They know. Where was the show at? <laughs> it was at the Microsoft Theater. Wow. You know, right, in, uh, right across from the Staples Center. Oh, okay. That's a beautiful venue. It's amazing. <laughs> Mark, it's amazing. I couldn't believe the size of that place. I've never been there. Yeah, it was, I mean, there were 7,000 people in there. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. It was, I mean, for, okay, 7,000 is not big for a, for an arena. That used to be about average size back when I was younger, but for, for a, a theater setting, mm-hmm. 7,000 seats is huge. It was, it was, it was, was a great and, and let me guess, you didn't have your butt in any one of them because you were backstage. <laughs> how do you know? Did you read, oh, we know how you roll. Did you read G-Pound's tweet? Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask, like, is there like standing room only at the floor and then there's stadium seating? No, it was, it, was all, like, it was all seats. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's kind of fancy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, all, it's all pretty flat in terms of seating. It's an oh. amazing venue. I was standing outside at one point, like um, towards the end of the night, and... They had the the back the bay bay door open, and you should have seen all the pot smoke billowing, <laughs> freaking billowing out of this out of the building. I mean, it was the cops. Everyone are just laughing their asses off. It was hilarious. It's a, it was an amazing sight. Seeing people uh, using cannabis uh, with a cop ten feet away, and the cop everybody's getting along, no fighting, you know. Um, Nobody's getting arrested. It's just what a beautiful thing. Good vibes. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so. Yes. That's cool. Like a utopia. It, right? well, it is for you know, like-minded people. <laughs> I like so. it. That's cool. <laughs> I I spent my weekend in Portland yeah. with the uh, the West Coast Wrestling Connection with our guest from last week, the Grappler yeah. and D'Lo and uh, Gangrel. Everybody's up there, so we had a good time. What happened? Uh, they had a good show. You know what? They send me out. I don't have to be there throughout the whole show. I do a little bit of in-ring stuff, and then I'm done. So they send me out early before the show's even finished. Yeah. So I have to watch on YouTube like everybody else to find Why? out what went down at the end. Because they have a lot of people they have to get out of there, and airport runs and stuff. So they take me first because I don't have to be there wrestling. A lot of what oh. I do is during the day with the promos and the backstage interviews and stuff with the guys. So. Gotcha. Sweet. I want to check out some of that. How do you how do you watch it? It's YouTube, youtube.com slash the WCWC or on the Fight TV app. Or if you live in nice. Portland, tune in, BDX. So last night, that just reminded me of something. Last night, I sent out a tweet saying it's an amazing time to be a wrestling fan. I might be not using the exact words, but, you know, there's so much to choose from. But some people are still going to bitch. And of course. <laughs> some people find the fun of it in that. Sure. Because... Another one of my tweets, I said, people cannot face the fact that they're addicted to bitching about just about <laughs> anything that they can bitch yeah, about. That should be a teacher. It's true. <laughs> it, it's, it really is true. And, I mean, I've I've come to face the fact that, I mean, I have an issue with it that I do my best to, you know. Stay positive. Yeah. Yeah, I find myself doing the same thing, bitching about things. So, um, anybody who knows me will know that. But, um Anyways, wrestling is great. There's so much good wrestling. You don't like WWE? You got so many. Oh, that WWE? Other, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Right. And even within WWE, you have NXT, you got SmackDown. I mean, come on. And you have access to so much now with YouTube. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You can watch wrestling, and you could go back and really study 
old school wrestling. That's right. And you know? Flow, Flow Slam, you know, that site with all the with all the content they have on there. So, I come on, everyone. If you don't like what's going on in WWE, go looking somewhere else. Yeah, dude. Pick up some you old know? school and stuff, some indies. If you want to keep bitching, keep bitching. Whatever. But, I mean, really, what good are you doing? But don't tag Sean in your bitchy tweets. All right. I don't even mind that. I'll just mute, <laughs> mute, mute block. Refresh. Are you a big blocker? Huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Careful, folks. Oh, snap. Yeah. Anyway, what else is going on lately? Oh, you guys both looked at me. <laughs> well, there are a lot of fiery news headlines oh, this week. If you're ready, it. let's yeah, let's do it. Let's do our X Pac One Two Three Sixty News of the Week. Break it down. X Pac One Two Three Sixty Wrestling News. Yes, I love it. And Booker T has announced that he will be running. Yes. For mayor of Houston for the year of 2020, everyone wasn't sure if this was just kind of a joke. It was something that he mentioned on his radio show, and he released a statement a couple days ago and said, absolutely not. I have indeed decided to run for the office of mayor in the 2019 race. He says his love for the city and his desire to be a positive change agent for Houston is not new. We all know that. We've read about his kind of rise, and um, he, he calls it a rise above a life of crime and hopelessness that he talked about in his book. And he he says, you know, I went from living with rats and roaches to being a Hall of Famer. And Houston, Texas has always been my home, regardless of where I've gone around the world and traveled. And he says he can really make an impact there. He reminds everyone that he is a successful small business owner there in Houston, actually, and says that in the coming months and weeks, he's going to make some additional announcements as to his campaign and the team. I wonder if there'll be anyone else from WWE helping him out. And he says, says, if he is so privileged to serve the people of Houston, he will fight for them as hard as I have fought for myself and my family over the last 30 years. So very convincing. Yeah. He's got my vote. I, I love it. Well, first of all, Houston's a great town. What an amazing city. It's And it's number, I want to say it's the fourth largest uh, metro area in the country. Thanks. So. Um, Booker's just, what a, look, I mean, everything about this guy's class, he's... I mean, he, from from the story, you know, of him rising up out from, you know, the life of crime and all that, just really inspirational stuff. Is, you know, um, his fan, he's just a, he's an amazing family man, amazing father, um, just so much for him to be proud about when it comes to you know what he's done with his life, and uh, he's gonna be a great mayor. I re- I think I he will be the mayor in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Pretty he sure. Will be. Yes. Yep. I mean, this isn't just. Um, this isn't just. You know, I want to run for mayor as a vanity thing, just so I can. You know, it's not an ego thing, mm-hmm. really. Like I guarantee you. Watch when he comes out and you know uh, puts things out for everyone to see. I, I guarantee you, it's going to be a serious campaign with mm-hmm. talking about serious issues. You wait and see. And really trying to make change. Yes, you wait and see. Watch. Oh, I can't wait, and I and yeah. I'd love to see too who's going to come out and stump for him, and you know maybe you make a trip down there, talk to the people of Houston. Sure, of course, if he wants me to. You're a lot more political than I think people would realize. Some people know. Some yeah, people, I, I just try not to. You know, I I don't have a problem with people's views on either side. I understand why certain people think certain ways, and mm-hmm. certain people think other ways. You know, people go by what they're you know. 
their life experiences dictate. So, I mean, I, I do understand that. And so, uh, we'll leave it at that. Right. I can't wait to see his campaign videos. Like, yeah. I bet they'll be so funny. They should be awesome. That's that's. I'm excited. For do that. you think he'll he'll do that like some epic promo type stuff? Or I think he'll do be like more serious. When Kurt Angle was trying out for the Olympics, him and RVD shot some really funny videos. I think that'll be more like that mm-hmm. comical stuff. Like people are gonna attack me because I'm a wrestler, and he gets like hit with the chair. He's like, but I'm okay with that, you know. Right. Like, like I think it'll be really. Maybe good. you should uh, help him out with that. Oh, maybe. Jimbo. Maybe he could put us in touch. Maybe I can. He was in my documentary <laughs> about the young oh, that's buck, right. and it was so cool because like all the rumors about like oh he hates them because of the handshake thing, and like I'm like he's not gonna want me to interview him, and he was so nice and super cool about it, and had the epic handshake at the end. It was great. Yeah, it's a great so, moment in the yeah, documentary. He shook hands with the bucks. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> like at the end. <laughs> they're like come together and they shake hands he, and he was like get this on film right now like film this and I was like okay man I got this oh it's amazing well if you need someone to follow his uh, run to office he knows who to call yes right at Jimbo in the booth and while Booker T is, uh, we should say, shaking hands and kissing babies, another WWE star is upsetting some children. Kevin Owens taunted a child over the weekend at a live event. Maybe not such a big surprise, but this kid was wearing a Roman Reigns shirt, this seven-year-old. And apparently Owens, according to the boy's mother, Owens came up to him and pointed to his own shirt and said, go buy this shirt. And then said, no, wait a minute. Don't go buy this shirt. I don't want you to wear a Kevin Owens shirt ever. Don't you ever try to touch me. So the uh, seven-year-old's mother got very, very upset about this and wrote a lengthy Facebook post. She said, my heart is shattered. And after seeing her son's reaction to this, she said, I started crying. He was heartbroken. And that even after the match, Kevin Owens came back and jumped towards the child and said, I am not your father. Which the mom said, oh, that didn't even make sense. And shame on you, Kevin Owens and WWE. But Kevin has a great response to this. He posted a photo on Twitter, this photo here that we're looking at, and he said, a wrestler told my son not to touch him. I'm completely heartbroken. Well, not really, but if I complain, maybe I'll get some free stuff. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with Kevin on this one. That's such a classic bit. I love it. Right? We've we've seen this one a couple times. How about this, woman? Teach your kid to have some thick skin. You know, I mean... Really? Come on. Uh, I don't. I had a pretty good rant I was about to spew out on, on this, and I, I think I'll just. Dial it back. Yeah. Come I, okay. really, I think after this, he went and got the Roman Reigns hand thing. He got another Roman Reigns wristband. He the got kid? the Roman Reigns neck. Of course. The mom was like, here, let me make up for that guy being mean to you. And that's great because Kevin Owens is supposed to be the bad guy. How about that this? Gonna I, hate gotta, him I have forever. a great idea. How about from now on at all WWE events, they have one area that they consider a safe space. <laughs> safe space so no wrestlers will, will yell at your children if you sit in that section. Otherwise, fair game. Is it outside the arena? Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. All right. From the comfort of your own Christ's sake. They had to spend good money to get tickets close enough that Owens could have that kind of interaction oh, with sure. the kid. For like, sure. That's a thing he'll never forget. Can't be bad guys anymore during the show? Come on, woman. Really? And don't you think You're he's doing gonna your be... kid such a disservice. Right. He's going to be mad at his mom in like 10 years when he gets to read this story online. He's like, Mom, dude, come on. Turn your kid into right? a little pussy. Oh. Jesus. <laughs> 
And if you want to make sure you never catch this inside on our top news headlines from Sean or the rest of us, we are on YouTube and iTunes. Make sure that you subscribe, like, comment, and rate. We'd love five stars. Let us know what you think about the show because, hello, this is some good stuff. The kid, you know, the kid's going to react how they watch their parents react. That's true. So the kid looks up to the parent for guidance and sees the parent upset, and then the kid goes, eh. I'm telling you, that's probably what happened. <laughs> Well, let me tell you what happened when an armed robber met Chad Gaspard. This is a great story. Former WWE wrestler Chad Gaspard, he's one half of Crime Time, was in Florida at a convenience store in Coral Springs with JTG, actually, but went into the convenience store on his own. He was approached by a man who said, hey, buy me a beer. And Chad said, you know, there's a better way to ask than that. The suspect then pulled out a gun And Gaspar took him down. Immediately, he took the gun away, put the guy in a chokehold until the police could arrive and come and apprehend him. We now know that the gun was just a BB gun. But Shad says, I thought it was a real gun the entire time. And he just kept thinking about wanting to get home to his son. He said, I was not about to die in Florida. So (laughs) the suspect was busted for attempted robbery. And meanwhile, there are rumblings that Shad might play a villain in the upcoming Ben Affleck Batman movie. Oh, really? Good. So, uh, so going from a real yeah. life hero to a fake villain. Huh. Did you see the video on this? <laughs> yes, the yeah, surveillance so, video. Yeah, hell of a, hell of a judo hip throw mm-hmm. by uh, Shad, and uh, I, I can only think that this guy was just a, com- just com- a complete netwit or desperate or both. I mean, come on, of all the people, did, I mean, the guy he was. He was quite a bit smaller than... I mean, well, most people are. Well, yeah, Shad is uh, 6'6", yeah, right? Yeah, 300 huge. pounds. Right. Come on. I mean, it's just got to tell you about the guy's yeah. state of mind. Well, mm-hmm. if you're walking around with a BB gun, hoping people are thinking it, it's going to be a real gun, here's the like, thing. you're already asking for trouble. Th- these days, it might as well, or it actually better be a real gun, because your ass will get killed over it. Yeah. Because someone else might have a yeah. real gun. Yeah. yeah. yeah Especially look like... in Florida, right? It, yeah. didn't, it didn't look like he had a choke on him. It just looked like he, you know, put him on his on his stomach and you know, okay. put his hands behind his back. I just kind of just held him there. Mm-hmm. Now, that guy wasn't, after he threw him on the ground like that, that guy just said, He wasn't going this. nowhere. I'm not going anywhere. I highly regret this decision. Yeah. <laughs> Can we have a do-over? No. Nope. <laughs> well, watch out for Shad criminals and watch he's out for him in the upcoming nice Batman guy. Movie. He's yeah. such he a really nice guy. Is. If you if if that guy would have asked him nicely for a beer, he would have been drinking a beer instead of going to jail. Well, yeah, it certainly sounds like that. He didn't tell him yes. he wasn't going to buy him one. He just That's asked right. him to ask nicely. Yeah, I've encountered Chad on the red carpet a couple of times, and he's got so much personality. He's yep. a lot of fun. Great. He's a lot they of fun. They couldn't come up with anything besides crime time for a guy like that? Come on. Really? He's about to be in a movie with Tony Cruz. I'm talking about yeah. you know, WWE. Come on, really? That's all you could do with those two guys? They've been wildly successful, too, on the independent circuit they? after they left. Yes. Oh, good yeah, and them. they're still working together. And... Yeah. Good yeah. Well, let's talk about another fight that went down. This one between two wrestlers. <laughs> Don't be shocked, everybody. Don't be shocked. Alberto Del Rio was involved in a backstage altercation this last weekend at the IWRG show in Mexico. He was there to see his brother Guillermo Rodriguez compete in the main event. 
So what went down is that he he was there with girlfriend Paige. They watched the match from the owner's box. And after the match, headed backstage to congratulate his brother, where Alberto Del Rio alleges that this guy who's one half of a team called the Ninja Turtles, yeah. Alan Extreme, <laughs> had some sort of contact with Paige that Alberto did not appreciate. There was kind of a very bad brawl. Um, it was one-sided, of course, with Alberto overpowering this guy who was quite small, but at one point it spilled over into the hallway and many fans witnessed this go down, unfortunately. And reportedly the guy was in pretty rough shape, although he posted on Facebook and tried to save some face. But what Alberto Del Rio had to say about this was he said, if you inappropriately touch my fiancé in front of my face, you have to prepare to learn a lesson. And apparently that guy did. Apparently, I just know that when I read what when I read what arena he was even in and that compound, mm-hmm. that's one of the worst areas in all of Mexico City. And oh god, the owner's box—he was sitting in the owner's box. You should mm-hmm. see what that looks like. Tell us, Sean. Not quite like the Super Bowl. It's, oh look, come on! I I don't even know how they afford to to run that building. Like it just. I, I, I've been on shows there, and oh, yeah? they just and they run them all the time. Every you know, I, I mean, you've heard how Mexico City is. You know, there's this, on a on a week on a weekend. You know, on a Saturday, there might be twenty shows in Mexico City. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, I might have been exaggerating, but like a dozen <laughs> shows. Mm-hmm. You know, and I might not. I might have even understated it at one point. You know, in in the golden era of Lucha Libre, you know, late 70s, early 80s, there was so many shows in in that area. You know, Mexico City is the biggest city in the world. And I, it's just, it's, there's 40 million people. Yeah. You know, that need some entertainment. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> well, okay. un- undoubtedly, Alberto Del Rio could probably find somebody to scuffle I, with backstage at any one of those shows. Look at, and he could scrap. I yeah. was showing Christy earlier his match with Krokop. Yeah, but that Japan. didn't really that didn't show any uh, that didn't show any of his skills. There no, was a, he had the balls to get in the ring with the dude who was just KOing people. Yeah, there was a there was a fight he had where he actually did, like it was gross. The guy's arm looked like it was coming through the skin. Oh. He got him in a yeah, yeah, in an arm submission. So I I gotta hate the I hate the fact. That um, every week when we do the news that uh, Paige and, and Del Rio are in it because they're both awesome people. And, they uh, are, but they keep making like, the news. Yeah, with bad and, behavior. You know, uh, I've been on that on that carousel that goes around so quick it's hard to jump off. Mm-hmm. I've been on there, and uh, you know, eventually you just got to do it. Mm-hmm. Got to jump off. Got to jump off. Yeah, but come on, y'all. Please jump off soon. <laughs> jump, jump off that merry-go-round. Yeah. Let's move on to an update. We broke some news a couple weeks ago regarding Matt Seidel and his situation after being arrested in Japan. Matt Seidel is now back in the United States. He yes, tweeted he a photo on Monday and said, back from Japan, let's meet in the USA. He 
He has reportedly, although, lost his job with New Japan Pro. He says it's all finished. The entire case, he's referring to the legal, legal case, he said, I received probation, which applies only in Japan, so there's no actual punishment. And he was just being held until he was able to have his trial. In, and he wanted to clarify that he was in police detention centers and the Osaka Immigration Detention Center. So, as he said, I'm no longer with NJPW. I still love the Japanese people, but I won't be working there in the near future. So that's very unfortunate for him. It is. It, it, it's unfortunate. Uh, I, you know, look, Matt knew. You know, you're taking a risk when you go over there, and, or you go anywhere, and you have to bring your medicine with. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I I reached out to him and I found out he was out of uh, whatever he was in. Oh, <laughs> jail yeah. detention, detention center. Uh, and you know, immediately he sent me a uh, thank you back. You know, thanks for the love. I just told him, look, man, you were over there for the last couple months and uh, we didn't forget about you. Mm-hmm. So. Did he seem to know about our our exclusive? I didn't Philly? ask and I just, you know, I'd love to have him on the show, but really, like I was telling you earlier, if I was him, I would not do any shows right now. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do one, do mine. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you know that was my first thought. Let's yeah. grab him. Let's grab him. Well, if that happens, we shall keep you all posted. This has been your X-Pac 12360 News of the Week. I'm Christy Olson, the Chief Correspondent and Managing Editor of AfterBuzz TV's Pro Wrestling News Division. And we will be right back with Jerry Briscoe. Stay all tuned. Right. What's up, party people? Roxy Stryer here from The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of One Man's Midlife Crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360. Joining us now, following his unexpected debut in 1968, today's guest dominated the tag team scene in the 70s as one half of the Briscoe Brothers, scoring over 20 championships. Wildly successful as a singles competitor as well, he held several NWA heavyweight titles and became NWA junior heavyweight champion in 1984, stepping away from in-ring action shortly after. He returned to TV during the infamous Attitude Era as a close confidant of WWE's chairman and won the Hardcore Championship twice in the year 2000. He's now a WWE talent scout and remains one of the most decorated superstars in sports entertainment history. Please welcome Hall of Famer Jerry Briscoe. Hey! Yeah. Wow. How do how do I respond to that uh, that intro, Christy? Unbelievable. But uh, get it right. I wasn't a confidant. I was a stooge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sure how you felt about that word, Jerry. Actually, I. Remember, and, and Pat Patterson hated hearing that word. He hated it. And I, I used to grip Pat all the time. I said, Pat, you and I worked for twenty years in in, in our career trying to. Be, uh, have a reputation, you know, being good workers. Now, forever in the history of wrestling, we'll go down as two stooges. Oh, don't say that. And I said, man, you're labeled now. You're stooge. 
That's so funny, Jerry, because Pat, you know, I wouldn't think that Pat would be uh, concerned about stuff like that because he's such, he's so brilliant when it comes to wrestling and, and he, uh, you know, you wouldn't think he would get it, you know, because it was such a great gimmick. It was amazing. Amazing. Well, Sean, as you know, I had I had I had the most fun as I've told you before. I had the most fun I've ever had in my career doing that. You know, and uh, you know it. Uh, and you know when I was in my fifties and Pat was reaching sixty, so you know when you're that age and you're getting that type of TV exposure and basically a whole new generation of people. You know, so yeah. uh, it it was so much fun and so cool. You know that I, I just. I think that's the reason it got got over because you know we we and Pat being the professional that he is, I mean it never showed you know that he hated the gimmick. Right. But, you know I hear him on interviews on, but he did such a great job. It just shows you the professional and and what kind of a, a player he is. You oh know? yeah, and and you know what you guys doing that uh, gave me the opportunity to be able to work with you, uh, you and Pat both. You guys came out during my. Um, you know, my entrance in in, uh, in the match with Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. Shane and Shane, oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think I potato both of you. And you guys never got yeah, a receipt. Yeah, you did. You did. But that, you know, <laughs> I expected it. That's, Thank- that's what Pat hated, you know. And uh, yeah, it was funny, another funny, but Pat, Pat you know, uh, uh, good old Kane, you know, he used to, you know, put you, when he choked slammed, you knew you were choked oh, slammed. When Taker choked slammed, you know, it was like a feather, you know, but... Uh, and so every time we had to do that gig with uh, Kane and Undertaker, he always said, I'm letting Taker choke snap me. I said, okay, you, you, go, you go where you want. Huh? You're the senior guy, and I, I'll go. I'll take Kane. Oh. You know? So I'd, I'd take Kane choke snap. You know? and Pat would get, yeah. get the feather ride, as I called it. Mm. You know? when, Jerry, when you, uh, when you agreed to, uh, to come on, and it was, like, it was pretty last minute, it was yesterday, uh, <laughs> I was, God, I was so excited. At the same time, I, I was thinking to myself, God, I've known Jerry for 25 years. How much research do I have to do? <laughs> but, you know, there's yeah. still a lot of things I actually didn't know, you know. Um, so uh, I wanted to go back, uh, Jerry, because, you know, you, you know, I know you were trained by Jack, um, you know, out, out of high school. and you were, I mean, out of college, right? Out of college, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, right, exactly. And, and, exactly the story on that. I, you know, I was coming up on spring break, and there were a couple of shots coming up. And uh, you know, I was right out of college, and uh, and so Jack said, "Let me show you something. You never know when you'll have to work." You know, so uh, he showed me a headlock and, a, and an arm bar and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a takedown. You know, which I knew a farmer's carry right. how to set it up. You know, professional wise. The Briscoes. The Briscoes are the best. Y'all are the you and your brother are the best fireman carry uh, artists in the business. Thank you. Well, we we worked on it for a long time. <laughs> Repetition right. makes perfect, right? Yep. But uh, but uh, so Jack trained you. But did you have any help from anyone else, Jerry? Well, you know, uh, back in those days, you know, there, there wasn't any anything. I had help. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I was around uh, Oklahoma Territory, and I, I hate to say it because it's not being disrespectful, but it's the truth. It was the kind of the the graveyard where, where Oprah, right. you know, the promoter was blind, you know, and yeah. he remembered these guys when they were in their prime, when he could see, you know. So yeah. the old, old fogies would go back there, and, and Leroy would, you know, Leroy uh, he'd have that vision of Leroy McGurk. Leroy right. McGurk would have, was blind, and he'd have that vision of them when he could see when they were young guys, yes. you know. So he never realized, you know, that his crew was getting up there in age. All he, all he knew was 
was the past. So now, now, Jerry, when, when, Jerry. when we were there, were no places to yeah. go. So there were some good guys, you know. Uh, Chris and John told us uh, the coach Jerry, Jerry, and uh, and I forget the uh, Kozak, Nick Kozak, Jerry, and Nick Kozak. Right. They were they were brother tag team. So I go up to Oklahoma City or Tulsa, you know, like six thirty in the afternoon. They'd set the ring up, and we'd we'd do a little gig in there and they'd show me different things and go over my match the night before. So yeah, I, I did that for, you know, you know, but I was in matches right away. I mean, you yeah. know, that next night after Jack showed me, <laughs> I was, I was in matches, you know, and, and with good opponents. And that was, that's what helped, you know, cause I'm buddy Cole and guys. Oh, like buddy Jack, Cole. Jack Dobbin. Wow. Buddy Cole. And, uh, Spud Newman Rowe and all those guys I was working with right off the bat. So, you know, I had no, uh, no preliminary training, so to say. You know, they threw me right in the fire. Sure. Now you kept going. Jerry, you're talking about um, about Leroy McGurk, the promoter, and and that he was blind. Leroy was a wrestler at one time, right? And and, and am I right when I say that that he 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 was blinded by um, by the the resin and the, that that used to be in the ring. Uh, you, on the you're exactly right. One eye, one eye was that, and the other eye was through an. Uh, his last eye was through an automobile accident, though. But the first one was through the resident. Exactly. And what a man! I mean, he did color commentary on TV too, and he could tell the bump from the sound of the bump, which is phenomenal. So Leroy he would, McGurk, he would, he would do color. So, so Jerry, you're telling me that. Lee, the blind promoter Leroy McGurk did color commentary. <laughs> and the blind promoter Leroy McGurk did color commentary on on live TV. <laughs> okay. Live Saturday night TV, eleven thirty at night uh, in Oklahoma, and oh, the wind wow. blew just right. I could get it in Blackwell, Oklahoma. Wow, Jerry, how long did y'all stay in Oklahoma once you started? Well. Jack stayed there about a year. I was there probably six months, and I uh, and I came down to Florida and for uh, two months, and then that was in nineteen sixty at the end of sixty eight, and then January sixty nine, I went to Japan, and I've been working maybe eight months. Wow! And but so, how long before you ended up in Florida? Well, I as I went after after Japan, I went back to Oklahoma, and uh, while I was in Japan, I met Gary Hart, uh, oh, yeah. a great friend of both of ours that's no longer with us. But brilliant, Gary was brilliant. headed headed to uh, Australia with Don Jardine, spoiler. Right, and I worked. I got the opportunity of being with him on uh, for six weeks in Japan. So Gary said, "Hey, kid, I'm going down to." He said, "Jim Barnett would love you. Do you want to go to Australia?" Well, hell, you're talking to an Okie, and you know Ben Lawrence, Kansas was his part of the strip away he yeah. before Japan. I said, heck yes, you know, and I went down there. I thought I was going to fall off the bottom of the earth, you know. I wasn't too smart about the gravity and stuff. But uh, I went down there, and then the funny story, Jim had a partner, uh, Lonnie, Lonnie, I can't remember Lonnie's last name, but he was uh, Jim's partner, and he was assigned to pick me up at the airport. Well, Sean, I'm, I'm a 20-year-old uh, college boy, just got right. out of college, basically, you know, and so I was dressed in, you know, my best suit that I could find, you know, my J.C. Penney, uh, my French suit, my J.C. Penney <laughs> suit, and my, and my tie, my $2 tie that was made in the USA, not in China. Right. And I went down to Australia, and I flew down, I had a great trip down, I flew with a bunch of Italian immigrants from L.A. to uh, to Sydney, you know, about a 14-hour trip, and yeah. they, they took me in, uh, you know, all the all the mothers there, they they shared their the baskets of uh, salami and pastrami, and I had, I had all their 
or the goodies, you know, on the way down there. So I was well taken care of on the way down there. But I got off the plane, long story short, I got off the plane, stood around, stood around. I mean, this is the days before, you know, Internet or cell phone or anything like that. I could, and I didn't know I didn't know who Lonnie was, and I didn't know who was in there to pick it. I all I knew was well, Lonnie guy was going to pick me up, so I'm looking for the guy, and he's looking for me, and I'm you know not the biggest guy in the world, as you know, and and so he waited about 45 minutes. He went back to uh, back to the to the office and uh, told Barnett that I wasn't there, so I found a pal. I was scared to death, you know. And this is my first big deal, <laughs> right. and they they tried to get me to cancel by lowering my pay, but I was so anxious to go down there that he could have paid me nothing. I would have gone. You yeah. Know, so I wanted to go that bad. So, so I, I found a payphone. I called Jim. I said, Jim, I'm at the airport. You know. He said, Well, Lonnie's been there. He didn't. He didn't see you there. And he said, Well, he's going to take you over to the domestic there. You got your book in Adelaide tonight. You get over there right now. You can make the last flight. Don't miss it. You know. So I, here I am, a rookie. You know, almost missing my first first shot in Australia for Jim Barnett. Right. So I ran over to the uh, domestic terminal. Caught the, caught the plane to Adelaide, about an hour, another hour and a half uh, plane ride, and uh, got off the plane and uh, got in a taxi, went straight to the arena and almost straight to the ring, you know, without any 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 rest or anything. Of course, it, it I know what that's like. Wow. And Jim Barnett, for for people that don't know, Jim Barnett is at that time he was the most powerful promoter in all of wrestling, I would say. Wouldn't well, you? he certainly was, and he he had stroke everywhere in, in the world. I mean, I say he most sure powerful man, and most most influential man, and 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 brilliant and a brilliant man on top. of it. I ended up staying a year over there, you know, yeah. which was unheard of because most guys were over there two three months and they were gone. But he liked me so well. A lot and, of people uh, don't know about Jim Barnett. Jim Barnett, uh, he I think he discovered Lee Majors. Lee Majors was his chauffeur. Lee Majors from Actually, you know the fall you're guy, right. really? six million dollar man. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a whole nother story, isn't it, Jerry? <laughs> a whole nother story. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a beer conversation. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So so you stayed in in Australia for a year. That must have been actually pretty cool, huh? Oh, it was fantastic, John, because, you know, Jim brought down all the top talent in right. the world. And I right away, you know, I was getting to work with top talent, you know, Madison Square Garden talent, as yeah. I called it back in those days, guys that I'd never seen before, you know, just through the magazine when I was a kid. Was Mark Lewin you know, there? Mark Lewin, King Curtis, oh, uh, wow. uh, Buddy Rogers, uh, Buddy uh, Austin, uh just uh, he was an LA uh, superstar for years and years. Old Buddy Austin was. And, oh, uh, Buddy Austin, yeah. And, uh, and then, then the great thing about it, you know, uh, I, you know, I fit in pretty good with Mark Loon and uh, and Fuji and those guys for various reasons. But they they they, they took too. a liking to me. So <laughs> you know, they, and Sparrow Sarian and Dominic Danucci and all those guys, and they they took me in. So there was an announcer there named Lord Layton. He worked up yeah. in the Detroit area. He was, and I don't believe L.A. Lord Lethal Layton Detroit. or something like that. Lord Athel Layton. Yeah. Layton. Yeah. Yep. And so they worked on my first gimmick in the business that that shoved me shoved me up, you know, through the through the ranks. There was in Australia. Lewin and Curtis went to Barnett and said, "You ought to do something with Layton and, and that kid over there." You know. So we we had a match against Curtis and uh, and uh, and uh, and Olsen. And uh, 
and my partner got hurt during the match. Of course, uh, Austin and uh, and Curtis just eat me alive. And yeah. Layton, you know, and I'm a king that this kid, you know, get beat up like this. And of course, he he drops the mic and jumps in and makes a save. And we team up against him. And we own, of course, Layton's a star. So I'm I'm elevated already to the main event with uh, with Layton as my tag team partner. So it worked out pretty cool. Well. I... <laughs> I mean, you were you were really young, Jerry, but, I mean, you're a great wrestler already and, and uh, quite handsome at the time. <laughs> Thank you. This is, I, this is your turn. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I to read that. He might as well have just said, I know. Jerry's going, what picture are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> so so when you came back, but, Jerry, when you came back from uh, from Australia, is that when you finally ended up in Tampa? No, I... I uh, as I was, I was in Australia, and I, and I was in actually serving in the National Guard. So I had to leave Australia for like two weeks and go back to Oklahoma and go to two week summer camp to fulfill my all my guard and make up my uh, my missed uh, dates that I'd missed my obligation for the, the weekends. I had to make up like six weekends uh, in a row. Uh, I didn't do weekends. I just did I did a whole week, and they counted it as six weekends. So I did a two week summer camp and stayed uh, stayed an extra week. And did my obligation for the National Guard. Then went straight back to uh, went straight back to uh, to uh, Australia. Australia. And then uh, it was getting you know I I could feel it was time to go you know and so I was wanting to go back to the states anyways. Rip Hawkins, Sweet Hanson was over there, and and Barnett was actually trying to get me. Uh, he was good friends with Roy Shires, the promoter up in, uh, San, Francisco. in San Francisco, and uh, Jim was trying to get me to go up there, telling me you know that I'd really that over up uh, up in there, you know, young young uh, uh, college type hippie type guy, you know, and uh, <laughs> so I, I really uh, San Francisco was was my choice, but Rip Hawk and Sweet Hanson were there, and they were superstars in the Carolinas. Yeah, they were big so, time. Uh, so they 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 talked to me and talked to me. They were trying to recruit me, and they gave me a couple of promises, you know, that uh, that this would happen, that would happen if I if I go to Charlotte and. Uh, just to digress a little bit, Jack and I had kind of made a deal that, you know, in the beginning of the careers, we didn't want, really want to be a tag team. You know, we want, we delayed that as long as we possibly could. And we right. were, weren't actually a, you know, a, a steady tag team. I mean, we, we would tag up and do shots all over the country, you know, but, um, until later on in our career. So uh, I went to, uh, I went to Charlotte and, you know, thinking business wise, Jack's in Florida and I'm in North Carolina. We can, flip-flop back and forth and and that's kind of how it worked out and while i was in carolinas i'd come down here and make shots and jack would go to carolinas and make shots so yeah. we were hitting two territories and in between we'd hit atlanta you know and make a good shot there so it, it worked out pretty good then i then in like 1974 i think it was i finished up in carolinas or 1976 and it came came that's when i came down to uh florida and, and kind of set up camp down here yeah, and when you were uh, stopping off in Atlanta, was was Barnett the uh, promoter there at the time? Uh, he had just got in, there, just bought in. And who, it was just who, starting. You know, that was Gunkel? Happened, was that you know, Ray Gunkel? Gunkel split from uh, Paul Jones and all those right. guys, and Barnett had just bought in. Gotcha. Huh. And so that, but then you end up in Tampa, and you guys never left. 
No, we'd set up camp here and bought yeah. the one end of business, you know, Briscoe Brothers Body Shop, most famous body shop in the world. It is. <laughs> I used to go by it. it, it, it now it's called Martin MLK uh, Boulevard, but it used to be called Buffalo, uh, the street with Buffalo yeah. Avenue, right? Yeah, Buffalo Avenue. Buffalo right. Avenue, and I used to drive by there all the time just to see Briscoe Brothers Body Shop before I, <laughs> yeah, when I was younger, yeah. Um, and uh, so how long were you there, uh Jerry, before you you guys bought stake in, in uh, the promotion, well, I, it was it was uh, Jack got it kind of early because he was the mainstay here, and right. uh, and Eddie was always worried that Jack was going to pick up and go elsewhere, which he had all kinds of opportunities. But of Eddie had laid out a long range plan with Jack, and uh, Jack was really looking forward to it. You know that long range plan, of course, included the. Uh, at that time, the most prestigious title in, in the world was the NWA title, and that and Eddie had laid out plans, you know, into the future for Jack to to receive that. Right. So uh, Jack wasn't going anywhere, but Eddie got you know got a little nervous because Jack was being called to make shots here and there, and you know getting over course everywhere he went, and uh, so Eddie uh, to get uh, Jack to uh, to stay permanently in Florida, Jack, uh, Eddie offered Jack some. Uh, stakes and 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 the, and the company so of course jack took advantage of it and bought it and uh, then i came down after shortly after that we hadn't got any stake in in georgia at the time right uh, we were um, we were still working on that but uh barnett was getting in and I, barnett and i had talked in, in sydney when i was down there for such a long time and he 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 was he was a he Jim, as you know, he could he he could really see he could really see in the future with a lot of stuff. And he, he told me at that time. He said, "You know, he, you know uh, Gerald. He said the future is is on the, on the business side, not on yes. the on not on the math side." And I noticed so that I about had you and your brother. Most influential promoters in the world telling me, you know, I should be, be in the office. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I noticed so, uh, that, that was something I noticed uh, from a long time ago that that you you and your brother were were you know, thinking, uh, uh, you know, long-term and not just about being wrestlers in the ring. And yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's admirable. Like I, I wish a lot more of the guys would think along those lines, you know? Oh, me too. Me too. Because that career goes by so quick and, uh, and, and the time you just, you just can't believe it. Like I look now, I turned 70 in September and I said, wow, you know, what a, what a time, yeah. what a ride, you know? And so, so we started getting our, getting our little stakes, you know, first in Florida, then, uh, Jack was, they were bringing Jack up, and, the, and business was terrible up there because right. they did that, you know, the Gunkel split and the Paul Dose split. So, you know, there were like two territories going on up there. But uh, Barnett was slicking up that he went to Ted Turner when cable TV was just starting out, and everybody, oh, that cable ain't going to mount to nothing now. You know, that, then everybody feared it, you know, two years later because we got saw it. And he talked Turner into, into those two nights, Sunday, Saturday and Sunday night on WTBS. Uh, 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 Georgia Championship Wrestling. So uh, we he needed some uh, some uh, some some funds. So Jack and I uh, I talked to him about you know investing in, in the company and, and and we we making shots up there. So we we started out you know getting a couple of points and I actually bought uh, my second point from from. Uh, uh, the late Tim Woods. Tim yeah. had gotten to him. Mr. Wrestling. Point, so Tim, yeah. 
Tim needed some, Tim was in a bad car accident and he needed some money. So he called me and he wanted to know if I wanted to buy his shares out. So we worked a deal out. So I got my second set of points from, from him. So, and then, you know, I was slowly buying in down here in Florida and I ended up with more stock in Georgia because I bought Buddy Code out after, after the plane crash on him, you know, so, uh, and then I bought some more for Barnett later. So Buddy uh, Colt was turned out. Buddy Colt was in the plane in the same plane cla- uh, crash as, as Flair and and uh, um, Bobby Shane. No, that no, no, no that it was Bobby Flair wasn't in that. Flair was in the one in North Carolina. Flair was oh, okay. in North, in I, I'm North, sorry. It was Gary yeah. Hart. It was Austin Gary Hart. Idol. Buddy Colt was flying the plane. Bobby Shane was setting co-pilot. Gary Hart, uh, uh, Mike McCord, who was uh, Austin, Austin Idol. Idol. Yep. And wow. I forgot the Dave one. Dave Draper in there? there? No, Bobby. Sh- I'm sorry. No, it was Bobby Shane's Bobby, one, he died. Bobby Shane didn't want to die, yeah. Wow. And Gary Hart just about did died, but he he was able to make it. But uh, what did I remember? I wasn't here. I was in North Carolina at the time of that, but boy, that was so scary. You know, then Flair, of course, went down and won in Carolina with Johnny Valentine and yeah. that group. You know, so. That's why whenever I was on a, like, on a, on a flight and Flair was on there and we'd have turbulence, I'd look over to Flair, and if he was nervous, then I'd get nervous. Yeah, because <laughs> he's been through it all when it comes to you know flights. So, yeah, you know, well, I, it, I, it, 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 hadn't he been in two plane crashes? Yeah, or just that one. Two. <laughs> That's what I thought. So I figured if he survived two plane crashes, he's pretty pretty safe to fly. Yes, absolutely. Um, so during all this, did any trips to Amarillo yet? Uh, the trips, yeah. Well, we were making we. Uh, when Jack and I, the old, the, old, the old way of doing business back when you were rookies, when you first started out, Amarillo would send Oklahoma two guys for yep. TV, you know, for job guys, you know, and you, you squash them on TV. Then Oklahoma would send Amarillo two guys. The same with Kansas City. You know, they had a working agreement, all NWA. Yeah. So they would swap talent, you know, underneath talent like this, so they didn't go through all their talent because they were small territories with a small amount of guys. In them. So, you know, if you could get two guys drive 200 miles, they'd pay them a couple hundred bucks, you know, go down and do a couple of squash jobs. So Jack and I both did that, you know, and uh, we went down to down to Amarillo, and uh, and uh, the old man Funk was kind of a an evil guy, you know, and yeah, he wanted to take care of that. his kids, which sure. I don't blame him. You know, he's trying to take care of his boys. Of course, he had two, two, two wrestlers, two, two certified wrestlers from Oklahoma, you know, and, and a couple of cowboys from Texas. And, you know, Jack and I being Native Americans from Oklahoma, that Oklahoma, Texas, rivalry and the cowboy yeah. Indian thing, it was too good for him to pass up. So, we started working with the funks, you know, like that, doing job basically. And, Dory, I think Dory and Terry both beat Jack in under a minute. Oh, know, I Jack bet. Right out, of, yeah. right out of the national championship. Of <laughs> course. We got this NCAA heavyweight champion yeah. that's never been beat. Yeah. Now we're going to beat him in a yeah. minute just to yeah, yeah. give some credibility to my boys here. <laughs> yeah. so that, but that's how the business that's works. That's it. You know, we, of course. You know, and, and I think, as Sean, you can back us up. Jack and I were always known for bitches, man. I mean, you know, we knew we could we could have ourselves. Sure. But, you know. We, we we were businessmen. We wanted we wanted what was you know old cliche. What's the best for business? But I mean, you can ask Michael Hayes. You know how we stepped forward when nobody wanted to work with the Freebirds. You can get to this later. But Jack right. and I volunteered. And the same thing. Everybody was scared to work with the Road Warriors. And Jack and I said, "Put us with them. You know, sure. we'll work with them." 
we'll tame yeah. them, and we did. <laughs> I never had a, all the guys that everybody was afraid to work with that I worked with. I never had a problem with one of them. Not one of those guys that had that reputation, Jerry. Well, you know what, Sean? Because you were a professional. You know, you were a pro. You you knew you knew the best. You knew how. You were right from the very beginning. You were a pro. And we, you know, and, 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 and and that's the reason. That's the reason you're still around. And you're you're going to get hurt if you go in there scared to death in the first place. Go all gunshot. You, that's you're going to get hurt then. So yeah. Well, I got to tell you the truth. When I first when the first time I I used when I was a kid like everybody else, I used to go down to the local drugstore, and, yeah. and my sister worked there, so I knew when the magazines come in, you know. So she'd call me the magazine, and Mister Ellison's drugstore. He used to get mad at me because I'd stand there all day reading up there mag four magazines, taking yeah. all day to read them, and uh, look at the pictures, and so. Uh, uh, Rube Bernard was a guy. Was he was always on the cover, just covered in blood, and his opponent always covered in blood. So I was scared to death of Rube Bernard. I was in Australia, and uh, they told me we were in some little spot show, and they told me Rube Bernard's coming in, and you got him the first night. And I'm scared to death. You know, all I can think of, I'm on, I'm, I'm on a throwing out. I'm gonna piss him off somehow. He's yeah. gonna grab a grab a wrench from under the ring, come in and hit me across. It. You know, that's. It never happened, but that's you know was rumored back in those days. Now you know what he did to the young guys. So I'm scared to death. I'm gonna mess up. You know, get group and You know, he's a, he's a veteran at the time. But and and somebody got word to him that I was I was worried about it. So first thing you know, I top a headlock. I headlock him, threw him in tackle. Okay, slam me. So I pick him up. I slam him. He immediately rose out of the ring and under the and underneath the ring. I'm thinking, oh God, you know, I hope I didn't hurt him. You know. Right. He, he came out with a wrench, and I, holy shit, you know, here it goes. You know, so he's charging me that wrench. I could hear that wrench voice, backdrop it, kid, backdrop. I backdrop him. He dropped the wrench. He said, pick it up and hit me with it. I thought, oh, boy, now I got it. So uh-huh. I picked it up, you know, and, uh, and and it shot for the first three or four months I was there. They didn't want me throwing punches because I'd hurt guys with my punches. So uh-huh. I wasn't real good throwing punches. So, yeah, he, uh, I come charging at him and he nails me and I drop the ranch and the referee kicks it out, you know, but I was worried right. to death. He's going to, he was going to hire me with hey, a damn pipe wrench. Jerry, are you, le- are you a lefty? Are you southpaw? Is that Jack? Oh, we both were. Yeah. Both? Okay. One time, me, uh, Harley Race and Terry Funk is too. One time it was Jack and I gets Race and, uh, and Terry, and all, all four guys in the ring, which is an oddity, all four guys in the ring were left-handed. Yeah, it's and a lot of people don't think about this, but like when guys that are left-handed throw punches in the ring, it's crazy. It feels crazy. It's, it's weird on you. Yes. It's weird on me, even. You yes. Know, I, you know, same way with me. You know, and, when I get a lefty. And if a guy doesn't throw a really good punch as a lefty, like I heard Jim Ross tell somebody uh, not too terribly long ago, hey, just don't throw a punch if you got to throw it left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> Nat Nash, Kevin Nash is left-handed. He only threw uh, flippers uh-huh. if you if you know the, yeah, the yeah, elbow. Yeah. Well, that's 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 the only thing they let me do when I was for them when when I started, you know, because yeah. they were afraid I was going. I and Carl von Strohan, I know. Oh my man, God, Carl von Strohan. He had the commercial in Tampa with wrestling the mattress. The mattress remember? factory. Yep. That's where yeah, Malenko's Malenko's school was at Carl von Strohan's mattress factory yeah. for a while. Exactly. Well, you, you can look at Carl, Carl's ear, and he always bragged about it. You gave me this ear. The first well, first time I threw a punch in Oklahoma, I hit him smack dab in that ear, and his ear swelled up like a watermelon, man. And I had a reputation then. That's the reason they wouldn't let me throw punches. They oh, <laughs> get down geez. to it. 
my first punch, I potatoed and gave somebody a call fire. Wow. The kid, no more punches for a while. So, hey, uh, Jerry, when when was it decided that you were going to be the NWA World Heavyweight or World Junior Heavyweight Champion? Well, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie kind of uh, programmed that to me also. Uh, you know, uh, and you know, unfortunately, you know, like like Brett and Owen and those brothers, you know, and and, and Terry and Dory never even got to, but, but promoters wouldn't dat, do that, you right. know. And Jack, Jack, Jack having a title run and. Uh, and so uh, Eddie kind of programmed it out to me that it was originally going to be with Hodge, and I, re- yeah. I was kind of hesitant to do it against Hodge, you know, because Hodge was my childhood hero, and uh, you know, just just uh, greatest wrestlers, God to me, one of the greatest wrestlers ever, ever that ever lived. Period. Amateur, professional, ever. Yeah. ever. He, amateur and and also professional, and the guy was yes. underrated as and a great so. boxer. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, he's the only guy in the ever United States history who won the gold natural Golden Glove boxing championship and a wrestling championship in the same year. So he was a phenomenal athlete. So I had my reservations about that, but in the meantime, uh, Les Thornton had uh, had uh, oh, yeah. had gotten the title from me. So when he told me it was going to be Les, I said, "Down, let's do it." You know, so it, we worked it out, and it was, was going to happen in Orlando, and it happened there. Then. Uh, and then a few months later, I go to, to Knoxville, which was uh, Les's home territory at the time, and and uh, return the favor to him up there. So uh, Les Thornton it was kind of cool. For you know, people. my brother was there. Dusty, they all hit the ring. You know, it was it was, it was great. Nice. You know, Dusty, Dusty was the first one to hit the ring. You know, and that hosted me up. You know, Jack right there with him, and uh, all the guys came down. So it, it was it was a thrill. And you know, like I said, you when your brother gets to see you do something like that, you know. Especially after my start, you know, sure. <laughs> it was it was quite a beat, you know. Yeah, going Very from cool. learning how to how to work my first match in the living room, the dining room, you know. Les you know, Thornton for anybody world, for everybody that doesn't know, Les Thornton was is a British wrestler. He was a fantastic wrestler. Um, he actually, Jerry, I don't know if you if you know this, but not to go up into the weeds here, but uh, Les Thornton, you know that British wrestlers won't say his name. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. I know that. I've been, I've like a superstition. That. Yeah, bad luck. <laughs> bad luck is like a superstition. Yeah, bad things happen when people say his name. Yeah. yeah well, then that's stop a, doing it. No, no, I don't. I, 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 it doesn't <laughs> no, work. No, I'm with scared. Me. Okay. It doesn't work with it me. It don't work with me. It don't work with me. I've said his name so many times. Right. Maybe that's the reason I had four strokes. Wait a minute. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but uh, at that time, Jerry, um, the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Title, like like you were saying. Okay, Les Thornton was a champion, but you had Nelson Royal, you had Danny Hodge, like we were just talking about, Hiro Matsuda. Yeah. What that was a hell Wow. Th- those were great, great wrestlers we're talking about here. Yourself. And you know, and they were great wrestlers and you know, I you hate to, they were so good you hated to classify them as junior heavyweights, you know. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, but uh they 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 they, they 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 went over that. I mean, sure. they were they were that good of workers, you know. And, uh, and just wrestling. And, uh, it was my pleasure to be in the ring with all those guys. Nelson Royal, another guy that I think is highly underrated. Yeah. Guys don't give him enough credit, and the young guys should study him. He was such a smooth, outstanding uh, uh, worker in the ring, and uh, I loved going matches with him. Uh, I'd go forty five minutes to an hour every night with Nelson when I was having a little run with him up in the Carolinas. I enjoyed it so much, you know. But and Matsuda, Matsuda and I went over to Japan together, and he was he was junior heavyweight champion. 
and I challenged him over there. And we actually, uh, one of the few times that they had a Broadway match on the TV, match too, and I went uh, went 45 minutes on their TV, just about the entire TV show wow. in, a, in a draw match with Matsuda. And I've never been so hot in all my life. It was under those steel, those old-fashioned steel lights in Japan, and they were 50 yeah. years behind at the time anyway. And uh, we we both nearly melted in there. But uh, it was so good to get in the ring with those guys. And you know what kind of man Hero was, you know. Yes. Yeah, he That's was what a... made it special with him. Now, he owned, now he, he ended up uh, owning part of uh, 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 Florida too, right? Or was that just Duke? Well, Duke no, Kiyomoka. Hero and uh, he uh, Duke sold Hero uh, like two and a half points of, of Florida of his of his stock. I'm talking know? about so, uh, for people that don't know. I'm talking about Duke Kiyomoka, who was the father of Pat Tanaka. Okay. So, anyways, sorry about that, Jerry. Keep going. All right, no, well, you got to keep the audience informed, man. We're throwing out some old names right. that Google will be busy on, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Who's this guy they're talking about? Nelson Royal, like I said, they'll be Googling. They should Google this guy, yeah. you know. But I was... They should Google Hero Match and Duke. Duke. Duke was a, you know, Duke, I don't know if you know the story, you know, we're talking about these internment camps for, you know, illegal immigrants. Yeah. So when, when the war broke out, Duke, and his wife was taken from their homes in San Francisco to Toronto, Canada, and put in a, in a Japanese internment camp up yeah. there for like a year. It's it, like a lot of people don't even realize that happened at one point in, in, in the history of our country. And I was just on another show I do. We had George Takai on. Uh, Mr. Sulu from from Star Trek, yeah. Jerry, and and you know right. he right. talks a lot about that, and he actually has a a, a Broadway musical about about uh, called yeah. Allegiance about that whole situation. Yeah. Really yeah. shameful part, uh, you know, part of our history. Yeah, very shameful, and really, you know, we 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 bury that as long as uh, alongside of our treatment of our our Native, Native Americans. Americans. <laughs> I gotta throw that. I gotta throw that. Stan was standing. Stan right. Stan was standing rock. No dapple. Damn right. Sorry about politics here, but that, that's not politics, <laughs> we man. Have to do it, man. Hey, Jerry, that, we gotta do it. that's not politics, man. That's right and wrong. We're just talking about yeah, the right, right thing wrong. when it comes yeah. to that Standing Rock stuff. But yeah, Duke, Duke, he was a pioneer, you know, and then he got into harassing, you know, and had a couple of movie parts and stuff like that. And he spawned uh, Toro Tanaka, Professor yeah. Tanaka, and all those guys, you know, so uh, out in the business and opened the road for them, you know, Japanese yeah. to, to come over. So he was a true pioneer. And, and that was a great thing about the Florida Championship. You had all this knowledge and history. And, and I'm a sucker for it. You know, I'd sit and talk and make road trips with these guys, oh, and that's yeah. all I'd want to talk about, you know, was, was the old history with, with these guys. And same one I went to Charlotte, you know, one of the, one of the pioneer black guys, Luther Lindsay. Oh, Luther Lindsay, yeah. The only guy that beat Stu Hart. Beat, uh, beat Stu Hart, and Stu carried a picture around of him in his wallet for like until Stu died. He actually pulled that he, picture out of his wallet and showed it to me one time. Yep, yeah, you're right. Wow. So it's true. He did carry that picture around until he died, right? Wow. wow. That's crazy. Yeah, Luther Lindsay, yeah. And he he was a stud black man. He, he was down in the Carolinas, and, you know, he, he he liked to make homemade wine, and I like to drink homemade wine. Oh, Chris, he, uh, uh, Luther, he, he, he made some fantastic blueberry wine and, and mm. strawberry wine. I love the strawberry wine. That's what hooked me on Strawberry Hill when Boone Farm first came out. You know? <laughs> and but, but Luther, Luther led the, unfortunately, Luther, he died in the middle of the ring getting covered by 
uh, Ronnie Paul in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, I was in Greenville that night. But we we heard about it, you know, and then Luther was so popular with the guys, you know, such a pioneer that it was so sad when he when he when he when he when he died and there in the ranch yard. You know. Wow. Well, I know during this time, you continued to take a stake in some of the promotions you worked for, and you and your brother as well in Georgia. What was your intention with that? Did you just want to sit and watch the money roll in? Was that for when your in-ring career was over? Did you intend to work behind the scenes? Well, great question, Chrissy. What what the plan was, and Sean brought it up beforehand, you know, we, we, we were right from the beginning of the career. You know, you, you go in thinking, you know, I'm only going to do this for 10 years, I'm going to retire, and I'm going to, you know, live happily ever after. But that's a fantasy story. It don't happen like that. You know, you <laughs> live a lot longer. <laughs> and so... So uh, people get a rude awakening. So we knew, you know, and fortunately we both attended college and uh, knew that, you know, this isn't going to last forever. And, you know, there'll come a time and day when, when you got to step out. So, you know, uh, you look for investments if you were wise and you saved your money and uh, and you look for other revenue streams. And that's the reason we opened up the shop and that's the reason we started investing. And, and uh, Georgia, we knew what we had there. We knew because in the early days of Georgia, we started expanding to territories that, uh, now bear in mind, NWA was super strong at the time and you didn't want to step anywhere where NWA was or, you know, there would be repercussions against you, you know, because you're all members of the same team. So, we go to places like we went to Ohio, Michigan. That, that the uh, the original Sheik had burned out Detroit and uh, Ohio and all those places right. and left with a bad taste. So we in West Virginia, some of those old old towns like like that, where the Sheik had promoted and promoters that were no longer promoting, and we kept looking at. Uh, at towns, and, you know, and Jack and I were we, we were actually wanting to do what Vince ended up doing, but. You know, being the fraternity that we were in, nobody else wanted to do it. And that's what really led to the sale of Vince because we just ran into a roadblock because we knew what we had here. Right. We knew we had those the keys to the to the country, and we did. You yeah. know, our Vince wouldn't have bought it from us, you know. So uh, we, just... we knew that going in, and uh, when we started running up against roadblocks and, you know, that uh, – that, uh, that we we weren't going to go any bigger than what we were. It was kind of a stagnant uh, place at that time, you know. And we got some guys, hot Tommy Rich and the Freebirds, uh, three of the hottest people you ever seen in your life. Tommy Rich, who you know, Google this kid, man. He was Sean. You remember how hot he was? I mean, oh yeah. Guy was he was he was in gold. He was like a rock star. And then the Freebirds were getting hot and uh, hot enough for we, we had the keys. We had the keys to the kingdom, and uh, and and. Vince realized that too, and uh, when we started running into the roadblocks, and uh, actually left Georgia and went that one and went to Carolinas, had that heel run with uh, with Steamboat, Steamboat Young Youngblood. And, uh, we actually, I was actually uh, watching a match uh, last night, uh, actually a TV match of uh, you and Jack versus Steamboat and Youngblood, um, and uh, you guys, you guys did some incredible business with them. Oh, it was it was record breaking business in Carolinas. Wouldn't you say that, man? You know, there's been some big houses in Carolina, and we were we were we were breaking all the records, you know. And uh, and what a pleasure to work with those two young studs, man. Yeah. It was it was it was good, and you know, it was 
basically my my first hill run uh, where I was all away hill. You know, I'd, we'd worked a little bit. You might remember Sean with Mike Graham and Steve Crone down here, but it was just kind of a it wasn't a real hill turn or anything. You were we're still you know friends and all that stuff. And of course, when we go out to Texas and wrestle the funks. Um, and we kind of, uh, uh, you know, just would would be full scale hill out there in West Texas, but uh, and Houston, other places, you know, we're we're good guys. And then Funks would come to Tampa, and and you just uh, reverse the roles, which was sweet. reverse the roles, and we'd yeah. go to St. Louis, and we'd just play play it, you know, however the people bought it. What's in that great? I love that you said that. Let the people decide, and then and then yeah. you know, go with it from there. Uh, which is, yeah. you got to actually be able to work, like you know, without a net to do that. But um, hey, Jerry, uh, you know, most people know about you know wrestling fans know about Ricky Steamboat, but you know, a lot of them because he passed away at such a young age, they don't they don't understand what an amazing Jay Youngblood talent Jay Youngblood was. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You said Ricky. Ricky's still with us, uh, by the way. But, no, no. I was saying uh, people yeah. know about Ricky Steamboat, like, and yeah, you know, uh, not a lot okay. of people understand what a great talent Jay was. Uh, Jay, Jay, you know, was, was second or third generation. You know, his entire family, the Romero the family, Romeros. is in the business. And Ricky, Ricky was one of he, Ricky was one of the good guys that helped me when I was when I was a rookie. So uh, I'd go in Amarillo. You know, he would. After a match, he'd, hey, kid, here's, you know, here's what you can do to, to work on, you know, because he, he knew the situation that I was real green, and and, and he always helped me. So getting to work with Jay, Jay was such a smooth worker, and he was he was really the backbone of that team. Ricky yeah. Ricky was, was the, uh, the the pretty boy baby face and uh, did all the fiery comebacks, and Jay set him up and all that, you know. And But Jay was a tremendous young man, a tremendous worker, and a lost entirely way too soon oh for sure and hey so you were talking about his father and uh and that uh the romeros they're from from amarillo where did, did was he a promoter and did, did he promote uh opposition to, to funk senior uh in the early days he did in the very early days you know there was really a a a, a different tone there because you know the, the hispanic uh that's right there by the uh, mexican border because right. so it's heavier populated so uh so the mexicans kind of had their own little promotion and then the fox and then pretty soon the fox and, and romero's got together and uh, worked everything out where it was just one you know oh, which was good. a better thing that's good so um we were talking. You were, we were talking a little bit about this, Jerry. But um, uh, and I suppose we can talk about it all right now. July fourteenth, nineteen eighty four. You remember that date? That's the date. That's uh, that's the, the the date they call Black Saturday. I call it Green Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry. Uh, for everyone that doesn't yes. know, that was the day that I turned on. Uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling on TBS, and there was Vince McMahon standing there telling uh, me that it's WWF programming now. <laughs> wow, what a yeah. shocker, huh? It was a shocker, and I was really young at the time, and it was still a shocker to me because I really enjoyed the, and I didn't understand the backstory and how all that happened, you know, obviously. Uh, I just really enjoyed a variety of wrestling. And uh, th- when that happened, I can understand why people were bummed out because, you know, 
they love their uh, championship wrestling from Georgia. The Tommy Riches, it does the Tommy Riches in the in the Freebird. Yeah, they love yeah. them. I, it was, it, I mean, it, it was, it was a hectic time and a very trying time for me and Jack personally. You know, uh, because uh, a lot of people, you know, making accusations. You know, we sure. sold out our friends. We did this. You know, we did what best for our families. What that, we did. And 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 Jerry, honestly, you got you and Jack and and. Uh, and Jim Barnett and Paul Jones was in on it. You guys saw the writing on the wall. It, you can sell or you can get eaten alive eventually. That was what was going to happen. Yeah, well, this, this is the thing. Or we could expand. We had a third option. But, That's true. You know, that, that was, they didn't want to do it because, of, as I said earlier, the, the fraternity of the NWA, you know, they just didn't want to do it. You know, right. so it was, it was, it was either either sell or, or, or sink, you know, and, and we, we did what's best for our family. And we, we did that. We did it the right way, Sean. And yeah. little, little known facts is we went to, uh, went to Crockett's and went to Ole and we, we offered them first, first gig at, told them we were looking to sell, you know, yeah. we told them right up front. And, uh, right and of course, Ole being Ole, you know, Oh you know, my God. Yes. You, know, you guys are asking too much and blah, blah, blah. And when we approached the Crockett's, of course, Crockett's called Ole and Ole said, you know, don't pay what they're asking. You know, you can get it cheaper later, you know, don't yep. sell for cheaper. Yep. Well, we didn't, we sold for more. <laughs> now I, the story go right. Good for you. Uh, the story goes that, that I heard was that Vince showed up with uh, gorilla monsoon as his heavy, just in case there was any problems. Is that true? That is true. That's exactly about what happened. Uh, Gorilla was, uh, made the trip down to uh, and stood backstage and uh, made sure everything, made sure the boss was okay. You yeah. Know, and, uh, and, uh, and he was. And people know, had a lot of res- people respected Gorilla, so that wasn't going to be a, an issue, I guess, huh? Yeah, well, they respected And it wasn't only the WWF guys that respected the Gorilla was respected throughout the the uh, the, uh, the industry, right. you know, as a stand-up guy and as a tough guy. So uh, both, mostly as a stand-up guy. So, sure. you know, you respected uh, Monsoon, so there was no problem. And, and, and Jerry, I, I found this to be the case. Aren't really the most of the guys that are really legitimately tough guys stand-up guys, too? Yeah, yeah, Sean, they are because they got nothing to prove, exactly. you know. Yeah, and uh, they don't have. And after they, 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 like I said, you know, at the beginning of this interview, you know, Jack and I were always business because we we knew we could handle ourselves in the ring and probably take most of the guys that we're in the ring with. But you know, it was a business. You know, yeah. If if you lose sight of what it is, then then you're then then you become the victim, you yeah. know. But we right off the bat, we knew what we were getting into. We knew it was a business. And that's how that's how it is the business, and that was, uh, you set your goals in business, just like you do in in, in our profession, and, and you try to obtain them. If you do, you you're, you're very lucky, yeah. and you know a lot of guys don't, and they drop out of the wayside. But yeah. you got to have that game plan, and we 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 set a game plan out, and we followed it. You know? now, Jerry, when okay, you sold your stake in, in Georgia Championship Wrestling, but you kept your stake in in Florida. No, that was part of the deal. Okay. And uh, originally, when when we first approached Vince, you know that uh, you know it wasn't going to be part of the deal. We were going to be stuck with our, our percentage in Florida. But uh, during during the negotiations of of, uh, of the Georgia stock, is sitting in Atlanta in attorney's office down on Peachtree. Uh, we brought it up. You know, uh, Vince, if we we don't sell our Florida stock, we're going to we're going to totally get ripped off. You know, and 
you know, they'll reform and because uh, I knew Eddie's business practices and I'm not yeah. saying anything bad about Eddie Graham because I respect him so much. But, of course. Uh, I knew his, we, Jack and I knew his business practices and we would, knew we'd, you know, be, would never see another red cent from them. I was going to say, so we'd, it, like, we'd, yeah. go Vince, we'd, like, we'd like to throw that in. And he said, how much are you asking? And we put a price out there and he negotiated it down. And of course, we agreed with it because getting something was better than getting nothing, which we knew we'd get. So sure. he ended up buying our shares in, in Florida stock, too, wow. which shortly after we sold went belly up anyway and was reformed with Mike, Steve, and Dusty. So I did. I think that's when you came along, right? <laughs> it's right around that time. But when. Uh, <laughs> when um, Wow, so I never I never knew, Jerry, that Vince owned a stake in uh, Championship Wrestling from Florida yeah. at one time. Wow, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, he owned, he owned, he owned uh, 25% Jack and I shares. Wow. Added up 25%. Wow, that's great. But it was 25% of nothing. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I, that's what I was going to say. Good for you guys. Because, I mean, yeah. like you said, I mean, okay, like, not to go off into the weeds again, like I always do, but like the WCW sale, when it didn't have the... Uh, the the TV contract from from Turner or from uh, you know TBS and uh, TNT yeah. the the company yeah. was worth uh, the tape library and the rings. That's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that's it. So and that's that's how. What do you buy? What do you buy when you buy buy territory? You buy initials, right? You buy three letters. You buy, Pretty much and a, and a ring and a yeah. ring. You know yeah. everything else is you know yeah. is uh, is uh, subject to. The loss. Did, did you, subject to change. Did you guys own a, a piece of the actual office on 106 North Albany that they called this? Y'all called the Sportatorium. Yes, we did. We got in. We we bought. We got in on that too, and we own part of Tallahassee Sports Arena and the Eddie Graham Sports Arena in Orlando. We I, pieces of that. Also. That, that was my next and, question. Was what about Eddie Graham? And we, Sports we made Arena? we made huge money off that Eddie Graham Sports Complex and. Many many ways. You know, awesome. That's when that's when business really started uh, appearing to me. You know, right? And uh, and seeing you know the the uh, the revenue streams, the different revenue streams that were actually yeah. flowing. You know, and it was because we owned everything. We owned the parking. We owned the concessions. We owned the merchandise. We owned everything. You know, the tickets. Yep. Everything was ours. Yeah, I used to go there, so, and you could get a general admission ticket for three dollars in the same in Sarasota yeah. at Robarts Arena. God, may may John Coach John Heath may rest in peace. Yeah, what a great guy. But yeah, yeah and the uh, places were packed, you know. But uh, you know, it was, it was it was a bargain. But uh, you know, and, and you know, the concessions. Uh, we sometimes Sean would would have bring bring in a champ or you know have a have a big blow off. Uh, we would make more on concessions and parking yeah. than we would on the gate because would, the ticket prices were so cheap, uh, and uh, and you know, and and you still had the same uh, cost. But uh, concessions, we we would make, make a uh, American Dream uh, beer cup or a Briscoe Brothers beer cup or a Mike Graham beer cup, and you know, attack on two dollars, and those cups cost us five cents. You know, oh, yeah. you got that wow. uh, that cup, that plastic cup, and all that two bucks. You know, that's about a ninety-five cent uh, profit plus plus the profits you were making from flowing the beer. So yeah, and, and it, like, was, it was it was it was a great thing, and um, and the city of Orlando ended up buying that place from us. I didn't even know it was technically like in Orlando City limits. It was so far out in the boondocks. At that then. time, it was wasn't it? It was out there, but yeah, that's that's where UCF is now. I mean, we're we're over yeah. Florida Storm was UCF sits right smack dab in the middle of it. Wow. You know? Hey Jerry, um, I had heard this story. Uh, 
and and uh, the four. But um, I actually read uh, some of Dutch Mantel's book, and he talks about. It. Do you mind uh, getting into the story about Ernie Ladd? Uh, well, yeah, I, I will get into it a little bit. It was a, it was a dumbass mistake caused by alcohol. You know. So I mean. <laughs> I, have you ever actually talked about it? I, I mean, I wouldn't even have brought it up except for Dutch talks about it in his book. Um, and uh, I got to look at that. I haven't seen that. I don't, you know, because it's it's it, it was all it, it was never never out. It was always between the three of us, you know. Okay. Well, Ernie's passed away. We can actually not talk about that then, yeah. if you'd prefer. Yeah. Sorry well, about that. Jack and I made a mistake, you know, and Ernie made a mistake, and you know, and it was funny because. Next Friday night, we're all booked in Atlanta, you know. <laughs> and uh, when we walked in, Ernie was already there. You know, Ernie, Ernie always got there early, you know. And, uh, so Ernie was sitting there, and we walked. We, we went early deliberately so we could talk, sit down and talk to Ernie. But the, the locker room kind of just, just thinned out when we walked in, you know. And we, we got Ernie, and we went back into the Barnett's office. You know, he had an office right out off the, the hallway there from the dressing rooms. And so... We went in there, locked the door, and um, Oli, Oli kind of pretended he was coming in looking for something once, and we showed up when he came in there. Right. And, uh, uh, then just just screw with the boys, we started making hollering screens and hitting hitting sound and stuff like that, moving furniture around. So, but we were in there talking, talking it out, and we we all three realized it we'd made a mistake, you know, and. Uh, Something that's one part of my my career I regret. You know, we all have regrets. I've had a few, as they say. You know, and but uh, you know that's that's one of them. And uh, but uh, you can't find anybody that I respect more than than Ernie Ladd. You know, I mean, what a man. You know? That that was and just all, that. I, I was just, uh, I know that you guys got along just fine when I was around both of you, uh, you know, later on. So, like, it was yeah. kind of surprising to me about that. But uh, Ernie was a, a great man, huh? Like, I mean, he had a lot to. Uh, in Houston, you know, Booker T's running for mayor of Houston coming up in 2020, by the way. Yeah. Right. He'll win, too. Booker, but what, That's what, right. what, what a story, man. I, yeah. I, I, I got so much love and respect for that man. I, I can't tell you. You know, he's just, he just phenomenal. Everything yeah. he does, he's first class. You yeah. know that. Yeah. And, and Ernie, like, like speaking of Ernie, he, he uh, may he rest in peace. Ernie was, was a, Huge in the Houston community, and he actually had something to do with uh, getting George W. Bush's life straightened out at one point. He did, he actually did. Him and him and Bush were were tight friends. Uh, he went to I think to his inauguration. You know, he and did. Ernie, 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 Ernie got uh, didn't he get named uh, on a position uh, with the government with, during the Bush? That's right. Bush years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he was a but big he was deal. very active, very intelligent man. Uh, you know, a Grambling graduate, played for the uh, immortal Eddie Robinson, a great coach. He's one of the greatest coaches uh, ever in the history of college football, and uh, winning his coach in college football at one time. And yeah. I played for him at Grambling. It was a storied program. And then played for the Chargers, the Chiefs, and Dolphins, and I think the Oilers, you know, at the end. So. Ernie, Ernie was it was was just one of those rare guys that come along every once in a while. You get the honor to see and the honor to appreciate, you know. And uh, as I look back on on my career and think about some of these guys, uh, man, I was fortunate to be in the ring with them, you know. But I like to say, you know, we always got along after that, you know. In Atlanta, after that night in Atlanta, we shook hands and hugged, and you know, it's all behind it. And it was at that point there. You know, we we're all grown ups and we're sure. all pros about it. You know, realized, you know, we made a mistake, and it was on both sides. And 
and uh, sounds like just kissed and made up and you know became friends and tag team partners and working business partners down the line so you know most of it is the fabrication that stories you hear you know and um, yeah so i'll leave it at that yeah hey uh jerry so um you know after all like you know selling events and all that you you pretty much uh your your in-ring career uh you decided it was over at that point yeah, I, you know, uh, I, Sean, I was, uh, I was, you know, when when we made the sell events, the 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 intention at that time was to totally retire, just get away from the business, because you know we'd spent our life, you know, you know, wrestling. You know, I started when I was six years old, you know, and, and uh, so you know, I just wanted to get away and just be me, you know, <laughs> and uh, breathe a little bit, and uh, and uh, right after we sold. Uh, we got a George Scott. Would we help Vince get George Scott as a first book or matchmaker of WWE? You know, we yep. were our WWF at the time. We we were instrumental in getting George. We made the phone call to George to see if he would he would he would talk to Vince. He said, sure, you know. So they worked out their deal. But uh, anyway, we right after we we made the sale, we finished our bookings. Actually, we had bookings left in Carolina, so that's when we went up and we dropped the belts. To Ricky and 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 Jay and people were concerned that we we weren't going to do the right thing, you right. know. But like I said, we were always that's all I had. It was a it was a business, so we went up and did the right thing and dropped dropped, dropped titles to uh, to Ricky and Jay and finished their bookings up and came home back to Florida. And Jack, that was Jack. Jack said, "I'm I'm I'm done. I'm finished." You know, and, and I was thinking the same thing. You know, I'm tired. I'm, I'm you know just gone through the, the emotional stress of you know that cell and. Right. Uh, the backlash from that and everything. I just wanted to kind of sit back, and it was good. Right, I, I lasted six months, and Jack lasted a lot longer. But George Scott made the call. Uh, back to the Freebirds, got drunk and pissed off Andre the Giant one night. Yep. He got fired, and, and uh, so Vince needed a, a, a babyface tag team come in and work with Murdoch and Adana. So George Scott said, "How about the Briscoes?" And, and so Vince said, "Call them." So uh, they made the call, and we went up there, and we ended up going like a an eight month run with Murdoch and Adonis and was ready to, to attack WrestleMania and uh, one, uh, the first WrestleMania, uh, with Murdoch and Adonis for the title and, uh, and, and get the titles. And that's when Jack said, I've had enough. I'm, I'm 40 years old and I'm finished. And he quit. And yeah, he quit. that's what you know, I he's heard. One of those guys that won. when he walked away, he walked away. He never, never yeah. came back, you know? Yeah. And you guys were going to win the titles, right? See, I thought you are. I, yeah. In my memory, like my memory's really good, but sometimes I, I like, I for some reason remembered you and and Jack having the the WWF tag titles, but I was mistaken. But your matches were, were well. It was announced one time that we did. Vince even mistake uh, said at one time on ah, air. That's what and it was. We, we would never. But what happened is we we beat Burdock and Donis on TV all the time. But they yep. were on TV. They were non-title matches, of course. You know? Yeah. So, uh, so we were never actually tagged. But the plan was for us to be tag team champions at WrestleMania one. And Jack said, "I don't want anything to do with it. You know, I'm out." And right. He How did quit, you and I and I had to walk away. Off and retired again, and I sat around for a couple of months, and and uh, fans called me then, and uh, I, as you know, that's when I started doing the local promotion, you right? Know? And uh, called me and said, "We need somebody that's familiar with the South. You want you want to help us out, you know?" And I, I you know, I owned two promotions, but I wasn't the promoter, you know. Yeah. So I said, "I'll try," you know, but I had to. 
I knew I was smart enough to know I had the greatest uh, marketing machine in the world at the end of another phone line. So I knew if I needed any help, all I had to do was call Connecticut and I'd get the help I needed on stores, promotions right. and stuff like that. So I took advantage of that and ended up with nine states, me and that Zane Breslau. Zane Breslau, Zane out of course. Coast. Me and him used to fight over who was running the most towns. You know? Yeah. And they, they, he'll always beat me because he had bigger markets out there. Yeah, but, uh, Zane, Zane Breslau passed away now, but he was with uh, yeah. the company. I remember when he left, too, and... and uh, you know, I this is me saying this, and he can't sue me because he's passed away now. But he sure yeah. took a, took a lot of our money that on that last show when he walked out the door. <laughs> That's what I heard. That's what I heard. It know, was well, Karma, he, Karma's got a strange way of paying you back, doesn't it? America West Arena. I remember him yeah. saying the gate America was seven. He said the gate was seventy grand. When we looked out there, we could tell it was like a hundred, hundred and thirty, something yeah. like that. Yeah. We just knew back then. Anyways. I liked Zane. He he ended up working for uh for Zane, WCW. Zane was a good guy. Yeah. He was a good guy. Yeah. In his own way. You know? Yeah. But um He helped he I gotta say he helped me out a lot because like I said, I wasn't a promoter. Zane was a promoter, yeah. you know. But I ended up with nine states and I don't know how many markets in those nine states, but uh So you and, were the uh, promoter of that of the first uh show Vince ran in Tampa Sundome with Greg Valentine yeah, versus that Hulk was Hogan? My show. That was my show, yeah. Well, I was there. <laughs> you cool. got your money, huh? Yeah. <laughs> or did you get a cop? <laughs> no, I paid. We paid. Yeah, no. No, I, I got I got cop. I was at my show. I'm, I, was, I was the one that set up the Sundome. My Mike LaPan out there. Remember, Mike was a business manager out there, and he oh, and yeah. I were friends. And I, I went out and set it up, you know, yeah. to get in there. So, Jerry, when you know, after you took the job with Vince, you know, behind the scenes, when did you start becoming the, uh, the world's greatest uh, professional wrestling talent scout? <laughs> well, uh, when I had my stroke, Sean, you know, I figured I, I, I went from promotions, and then they, they started changing the, the structure. They wanted to keep things more in-house, you know, yeah. and uh, do the promotions out, out of the office, basically because of what Zane was doing to yeah. them, you know, ripping them off like that. And, uh and so they figured if it was in house, they hired Ed Cohen, you know, in a way it did oh, well, the yeah. and all that stuff. And uh, and so they changed the structure of of the deal, with that. and I was unhappy with the structure, you know. And I I was ready to 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 uh, we call it quits again. And yeah. uh, Vince, that's when Pat went through those personal issues, and he needed somebody to take Pat's place up up there. So he called me and asked me if I'd be willing to come in, you know, and work side by side with him. And that's when I started that. Is it? I think it was ninety four or ninety five. Yeah. And uh, and then I just stuck, you know, and started doing that. And then uh, in uh, two thousand and uh, what was it nine? I started having strokes, and uh, and the doctor said I couldn't be on the road, you know, you know, our schedule 50, 52 weeks out yeah. of the year, we're on the road, you know, and, and the doctor said, you know, you can't, you can't do that. You won't, you won't make it. You won't make it six months. You got, you got, you got back off and it was stress, you know, the stress, yeah. that, you know, we go under, uh, people don't understand, you know, that, you know, well, the slide TV is two hours, you know, but that two hours you got, you got, you got to squeeze and cut and slice and dice and everything else and smother and cover. And, and it's a stressful job, you know, and, uh, sure. Doctor said you can't do it anymore. So you know, I called that and then said, "Well, what do you want to do? I'm not going to lose you. You know, you've been with me two years, uh, too long. You know, I've been with you since the very beginning." And so 
I said, I don't know. Let me think about it. And he said, well, sit down and think about it and get back to me. So I sat down and talked to my wife. You know, uh, you know, we need talent all the time. And I've already recruited uh, uh, a couple of guys, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the business. And, and, and I said, well, we always need talent. So, you know, I know all the college wrestling coaches. So why don't I do that, you know? And then Brock Lesnar and Kurt, Kurt Angle came along yeah. and made me made me made me famous. You know? Yeah, <laughs> but this that so. the reason why I asked you, Jerry, was because I thought you were a talent scout like even before the stu- the Stooge uh, gimmick. Is, I well, mean, I was I was I wasn't officially a talent scout, but I just was always looking for talent. Right, because you know? you're mean, the I one was that around those guys, and I knew I know I'm a good athlete. When I see what people ask, what do you look for? I said, I look for a good athlete. You know, I right. don't. It's not. not you don't. There's no set formula what you look for. You just look for somebody that you think is a good athlete and has a good presentation about. Yeah. Them, you know? that's, yeah. That's my philosophy. You know, and, and that's what I go out and look for. Well, I know you're really good uh, friends with Coach Jay Robinson of University of Minnesota, and that's how you found uh, Shelton Benjamin and Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and they were a package deal. It was just yep. a funny story. You know, uh, when Brock was a junior uh, in college, he was national runner-up. He got beat in the finals, but he was what a specimen he was, you know. And yeah. J.R. saw him in the national finals, always on national nationwide TV. And J.R. called him. Well, I'd already seen him, and I'd already talked to Jay about him. So J.R. called me, and J.R. was head of, uh, head of talent relations at the time. And he said, uh, you see that kid from Minnesota? I said, yeah, I Jay Robinson's a coach. Jay and I was talking. He said, "Well, we want him." I said, "Well, he's a junior." So he said, "Well, call call and just find out what's happened because you know a lot of guys come out early, drop out early, you know, and uh, sure. and maybe his interest." So so I called Jay. Jay said, "No, he's going to stay here another year, and he's going to win a national title." He said, "But do me a favor, don't let Brock know that you're interested in him because I don't want him losing focus because he's got a tendency to." to lose focus and he's uh, going to win me a national championship next year. He said, I'll give you my word. He said, after, after he wins the national title for me, I'll give you a call that following Monday and I'll have him and somebody else there for you. I didn't even ask who else, you know, cause I didn't care. I, I just wanted Brock, you know? So right. I waited the year out. And as soon as he won, of course, his office was calling. Have you got Brock yet? Have you got Brock yet? And I said, no. And I told him the deal, you know, here, here's the deal. Jay's going to call me on Monday. So sure enough, Jay called me Monday afternoon uh, on that after, following the, the national title. He said, I got your salt and pepper team. He said, I got Shelton Benjamin and Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah. They're the best heavyweights I've ever had. I, yeah. I'll take them. And, and I actually so, heard, I actually heard like when they were first recruited that like Shelton was the considered the better of the two. Well, Sheldon was the better. Sheldon beat Brock. He could handle right. Brock, you know. Yeah. And he was the only guy in the country, really, besides that West Hand guy that beat him from Iowa in the finals uh, his junior year. But, uh, and I, 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 the funny, funny thing, I asked Jay Robinson about the recruit, recruitment of, uh, of, uh, of Brock. And, uh, they were up in a, up in a term up in Dakotas and, uh, Brock was wrestling for a junior college. It, I think it was the Bison Open or something like that where JC can enter the division. Right. Sheldon had gotten beat by this guy from Nebraska. And the very next match, Brock pinned that guy from Nebraska. Jay said, holy shit, you know, I got to have this guy. So he told Brandon Agum, I'm sure you met Brandon, Brandon along the way there. Yeah. He was Brock's best friend. Yeah, of course. So uh, uh, Brandon was assistant coach for Jay, and he said, get that guy to, to Minneapolis tomorrow. You know, fly him. I don't care what it takes. I don't want any excuse. Get him to Minneapolis tomorrow. We're going to sign him before somebody else sees him. 
So Brandon went over and uh, struck a friendship with Buck, and they flew him down to Minneapolis the next day and winded down and courted him, you know, recruited him, college away, uh, and, uh, you know, showed him a good time. And he ended up signing for Minnesota. That's how Jay called him, just out of accident there, you know. But uh, Sheldon, you know, he said the best matches I ever had was in, in the dressing room or in the workout room with, with Benjamin and, uh, and Lesnar. He said those two, uh, Sheldon was the only one who could hang with him. Right. Yeah, that's what I heard that, and a lot of people don't know it and, and don't believe it when they hear it. I well, it. take a look at Benjamin. He's probably yeah. one of the best pure athletes we've ever had. Ever. Ever. I can say that he with He makes everything look easy. That's, a, that's the problem with Sheldon. He makes everything look too easy Yeah. Know, because and he's such a great athlete. Natural athlete. Great natural athlete. Athlete. And he was slated yeah. to return to WWE earlier this year. Jerry, did you orchestrate that? No, uh, Sheldon did that himself. And Sheldon called me and asked me my advice on what how to do it. I said, "There's only one way to do it. And that's to call a man, you know." And so he he finally did, and uh, you know he, he he got his way back. And uh, and unfortunately for him, they discovered a torn rotator cuff, which required surgery. And uh, so they delayed this uh, signing. And uh, from what I hear, there's a possibility that he still might appear. You know, so I'm hoping so. Well, yeah, he'll be he'll be uh, he'll be back up there once his uh, once his the, he heals up from the shoulder surgery. Yeah, yeah, what a good back. kid he is too. Yeah, and he needs to be like the, the, they they should uh, bring him back, and he should go back because I mean I think his best year his best time in the ring is yet to come. In my opinion, well, I, I always I always feel on that, Sean. You don't, you know, you, you 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 when you first start the business, you know, you're in your twenties, and it's kind of a fill out time, you know. Yeah. Then as as you as you go through, you know, you start your thirties, your early thirties, you're 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 starting to hone in on your on your on your on your persona. Yeah. Then by the time you reach your mid thirties, you're you're reaching that. Uh, you're reaching that work peak where your work is probably going to be as good, you know, from like. 36, 37 to like 42 that it that it's going to get, you know. Yep. And uh, to me, that's your prime years, you know, 30, 35 to, to like 42. That's that's at your peak years. That's that's when you 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 know how to work. You know how to how to work without getting hurt. You know how to work without getting the other your opponent hurt and. You know the you know the routine of the business, and I think it don't kick it. It takes a while because it's it's a very complicated business. Yeah. You know, there's so many issues out there, you know, that we deal with that that the average person don't have a clue what what we're dealing with. Yeah, no kidding, right, uh, Jerry? Uh, we were talking about the the Stooge gimmick earlier, but how did that come about? By accident, pure accident. It just uh, first time we did it, it just clicked. We were in Chicago, and it was stone cold. Uh, we all uh, Vance called Van Pat. You know, we we're on called us members of the board of directors at the time. Right. You know, that's how it started out. And we had to make a decision on Stone Cold, and so we we pushed the camera out and closed the door. You know how we do backstage vignettes, and we. We come out with the decision, you know, from the board of directors and Pat and I are right there. So it, and we'd just gone through uh, the uh, the the Shawn Michaels and the Bret Hart Survivor thing. So yeah. you know, we kind of had the heat on us anyway. So it was the beginning of the Evil Empire, you know, at that sure. time there. So what? It was just pure to, we, we aired that and then and that segment, you know, back in those days, Shawn, you remember how we used to get the rating sheet? It was broke down to you know a new 
seconds, you know. Yeah, down to the that, quarter that, hours. That, yep. that, 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 that segment with Pat and I and Vic spiked for the night, you know, and we, holy shit, you know. So, yep. Well, let's do it again, you know. So we did it again. They got over did it again, you know. Then when Pat and I finally had a blowout with Main Street Posse, at the time, it was the highest-rated segment of Monday Night Raw in the history of Monday Night Raw. Amazing. Still might be. Amazing. What a ma- I mean, I've, you know, Jerry, from from the first match to the last match, every every uh, angle was hot, right? And we all got good reactions. Oh, yeah. But the reaction yeah. you guys got from the beginning all the way until the end. Wow, wow. I yeah. mean, oh, and you guys emptied the tank. You left it all out there. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was probably the biggest biggest reaction I've ever gotten in my life. Oh, and God. I just couldn't believe people. I mean, it, it, they had to jerk us out of the ring because yeah. people wouldn't let us leave. You know, they had to come out and get us out. People just wouldn't let us leave. It was yeah. just, you know, wow. Oh, yeah, I'm, we're feeling, watching you know, it. When, you, when you're my age and you, you think, holy shit, these people are, you know, it's, we're on to something here. The greatest feeling and in the you, world. You remember the night, you, I remember you coming up to me, I was working a dark match with Bubba with Love is Mind, which is evil name here in Tampa now. Yeah. And you, and you, uh, you, you uh, I come, come back to and he says, was you just out there? And I said, yeah. He said, you said, who'd you work on? I said, Bubba. And he said, man, I, he said, you guys tore the place out. And he said, back stage there. And you said, people were going crazy. And, and the audience were going crazy. So it was that gimme just got over. Yeah. And those, ma- like, I, I just remember hearing the crowd and I'm going, who the hell's out there in the ring? And then I find out it's Bubba the Love Sponge and Jerry. <laughs> 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 did you anticipate that going out there? Did you think it would be that huge? Uh, not not against Bubba, but against the Main Street Posse. You know, we'd had some lead-ups to that, Christy, and, we had, and all the lead-ups to it was pointing, you know, if we did the right thing out there and, you know, managed our, our, our opportunity the right way, and, uh, you know, it would... It would it would, but uh, get over like it did, and have the have the reaction, the response. And I had no clue, and Pat had no, nobody had any clue. But this is one time that I've never. I, um, Undertaker actually got you know Undertaker always stayed in the very far corners of the of the of the dressing area. When we come through those curtains, Undertaker was there. He took a cigarette out, lit it, and handed it to Pat, and, and hugged me and said, "Guys, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen." You know, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's hard. To, it's hard for me to argue with that because I, I, I loved it. I just remember. I, I remember watching it when it first happened. It was, anyways. Yeah. We can keep talking about that. But Jerry, <laughs> I'm looking at this picture of us all sitting in the back of the bus. You know the picture I'm talking about. Uh, probably the most uh, social media picture of all time. It, it's right up there, and it, it, I, I, it just it makes it. I always have to have this big grin from ear to ear every time I look at it because that is one I of the too. greatest times I've ever had in my entire life. You know who took that, that picture, picture, right? You remember who took the picture? The, so was it one of those deals where we were like, "Hey, we want to get a picture with all the boys. Why don't you take it, George?" It was George, you're right. We all got George Steele. Sort of by accident, yeah. you know. It kind of, you know, it kind of, it was kind of an invite deal. So I, I, I was extra honored, you know, to be invited because I was office to be invited back there, you know. And um, yeah, you know, it didn't matter at that, that point. Too, I, we, we were like trying to break that 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 bogus that barrier. Yeah, we're we were trying to break that. Down. Yeah, that that's what that trip was. That yeah. trip was, uh, you know, I I come over there. For Four days and ended up staying three weeks. Yeah, because you know, I didn't want to. I didn't want. I didn't want to let that let the troops down. You know, I yeah. didn't want to bail. You know, when that was when Kevin and uh, and Scott was 
and you were getting ready to take off, you yep. know, and, uh, and so I knew I needed to be there. And I, and remember, I bled you guys for information. What do we need to do? And, you know, that's when the yep. business started changing because yep. of the information that you guys shared with me. And I was able to take back to Vince and tell him, this is our problem. This is what we got to do to solve it. And then, yep. and he was wise enough to sit down and, and, and solve the problems, you know. But it, and it all, all originated off of that trip to, uh, to uh, Germany for 21 days. Oh, it was amazing. I, it was a... That trip, like, what I did on that trip actually sent me to my first trip to rehab. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. A lot of Jack Daniels and a lot of pharmaceuticals. Oh, I just we'll be elaborating I mean, on that did, some other time. You did down a bottle of Jack. You weren't invited. That that's right. The back of the bus. Yeah, and it was, it was those so of cool. us. I mean, that, that trip. That trip was just just meant so much to me because you know I I think you know uh, we help we help as you say eliminate those 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 fences between the you know, office and 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 the talent. It doesn't need to be there, Jerry. I mean, we don't need to be. I mean, that's a bullshit, like, false paradigm, like the office versus the boys. It doesn't really have to be that way. Yeah. And yeah. during the attitude and, uh, era, it really and I think that's I think that's the reason Vince chose me to to, to do that, you right? Know? And because uh, he knew I was still a talent, you know, still one of the guys, and, and I prided myself in being that, you know, being 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 able to help did both you, sides. Like that. Jerry, did you uh, did you? I'm pretty sure you told Scott all one time, "Come on, man, I'm the only agent they drug test." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was. <laughs> I'm not afraid of it. I was the only one, and I passed every one of them. Oh, exactly. I wish I could say the same. Anyway. Even hanging out with these guys? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Sean, you, you know, I, I'm the first one. I, I don't know if Kevin ever told you, but I'm the one that got Kevin Nash into the business. Oh, really? Yeah. Tell me that. He never told you that? No. Well, Jody Hamilton, you know, he was up in Atlanta, and, and I'll tell you the whole story here, and I'll, I'll, I'll abbreviate it a little bit, but... There was a guy running the Atlanta Army called Mike Osher was his name, and he was, he was a big, you know, back to my Georgia days. You know, right. he was just a businessman. He was a manager of the Army, but he was, he was a good friend of mine. And and he was a rounder like me. He liked that for even more friends. He liked to drink and, you know, run around and, and, and party. So he was out, and he met Kevin at a club, and uh, and and. Kevin and him started talking. He he told Kevin, "Man, you big, you be." He's Kevin, so well, I'd like to check it out, you know. And so, uh, so Mike Osha called me a couple of days later, and he said, "I got this guy, seven foot tall, about three hundred pound, big, good looking guy that wants to get in the business. What do you suggest?" I said, "Well, first of all, I have him call me." So Kevin called me, and he sent me down some pictures, and I think he'd just been in a bodybuilding contest that he won, Mister Georgia or something like that, and he was ripped and cut, and, you know, shredded, and of course, you know, looked fantastic as Kevin looked, and. Uh, and so I said, great, you know, so I said, first thing you need to go is look up Jody Hamilton. Jody, Jody, I've got, Jody is one of those guys in Oklahoma that helped me get a start. You know? Oh, and, really? And I said, and, uh, yeah. And oh, so I assassin for everyone that doesn't know. Taught him talk, he taught me the philosophy of uh, promos is what he did. One and, of the uh, best promos ever, Jody Hamilton, the assassin. Yeah, you got that right. Yep. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Google him, Google his promos, the assassin, the original assassin promos, they, they were just they were spellbinding. They were Jake Roberts promos yep. to the T before Jake Roberts. Jake got his promo style from from Jody. 
is where Jake's promo saw came from. But anyway, back to the story. So Kevin said, okay, so I, I took the picture, and uh, as it, I was running a show in Pensacola, and, and Hogan was on the show, and, of course, Hogan rented the jet, and we, we flew from Tampa to Pensacola. And I just got that picture that day, and I showed Terry the, uh, the picture, and he said, Brother, looks like this will be the end of uh, Hulkamania. <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> but anyway, that, that was the first thing when we first saw Kevin Nash's photo. I don't uh, know if he remembers that or not, but I remember great. it like it was yesterday. And so I called, uh, I called the office, and then this is the deal. And he'd had training, so that's that's one. That's you know, and that's basic when when the interest started on on Kevin is is during that that flight and that time there. But uh, yeah, Mike Osha, the manager of the Atlanta Army, called me on Kevin, and Kevin and I discussed the path for him to to go and, and be a star, and he became that. You know, wow. So my scouting goes way back. <laughs> Jeez, and that, like. The rest is history when it comes to Kev, especially with the yeah, the Hulk, yeah. and the Hulkamania thing. Because I remember sitting there one time, and and word got back to Hulk that Kev said this one time, whether he was joking around or not. It was just like, oh, he was like, I want Hogan's money. He said it Bischoff one uh-huh. time. Well, anyways, I, the story sounds. Yeah, I guess you had to be there for the story to be really good. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, I, I know that. And I, I remember hearing it, and I thought it was hilarious when I first heard it. But I went, yeah. But Jerry, I'm inside. <laughs> so, um, fast forwarding the plane ride from hell. <laughs> what do you remember about well, that? What I remember about that, and I can honestly say I don't remember a damn thing about it. And I think I got Mickey that night. You know? Wow, really? I think, I think and I think God bless him, but I think uh, I think Kurt Mickey'd me that night. Wow. Huh? Well, I don't. Because I don't. I, 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 I honestly. I mean, I remember the next day Bruce called me that that afternoon. Uh, we were in Connecticut, I believe. And uh, Bruce, what happened? I said, Bruce, I don't remember a thing, and I don't. I don't remember a thing. I, I don't. And I Taker told me that I. I told Michael Hayes to shut up, or I was going to kick his ass once I, we got off the airplane. No, that's <laughs> what. That's that's why I asked because I Jerry. I don't remember you being like you didn't come off like there was anything wrong with you at all. Like if um, uh, and you know I had cut Michael's hair on the plane and when he woke up and you know realized it happened he was really pissed right and yeah, yeah. and when when we got off the plane he actually was bowing up on you he was mad at you for some reason over his hair getting yeah, well, cut for let, for me letting it happen you know because I was the, the the figure you know <laughs> uh, you weren't the only one on there. Either I mean, no, they were Ross. Ross was on there. Everybody yeah, people come on. But I, was, but I was the closest, you know, and that's okay. Yeah, I was. Just, I just remember Michael standing and I behind loved each other. So it's you know. It, 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 but yeah, he he was blowing up on me. And finally, I said, "Okay, Michael, I did it. You want to do anything about it?" it and was I was standing right behind you. To- and I was standing right behind you, and I was the one that did it. And I was waiting for Michael to like actually do something because I was not that you needed any help, but I was like, <laughs> "Okay, I'm ready for this." And and Jerry Jerry Briscoe needs help from no man. Trust me, Jerry. I, I remember one time uh, walking into the dressing room and just looking over and seeing you uh, with Bradshaw, three hundred pound uh, John Layfield, tied in knots. I mean, even the, the, it was. 
He was begging you, begging you to please him. That used to be a weekly occurrence with man, JBL. He did. He, he's a he's a dumbass Texan, and he just don't learn too quickly. You know, uh, it took him about three hundred times uh, of tapping out to finally learn. You know, that that three hundred pounds didn't mean a whole lot when you don't know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, how's your health right now? We were talking about that earlier. Well, I thank you for asking, John. And I, just yesterday, I went to a cardiologist. And I get checkups every six months. I think I told you this, but anyway, yeah. he told me he didn't want to send me for a year. He said all my Bibles and all my all my all my signs and everything. And I, I actually weighed in yesterday at 193 pounds, which I'm proud of. I'm wow. trying to get to 185. Uh, and I was close, you know, when I was doing that stooge. I was like 235. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm not well, 90 now. So. Yeah, you're people like they, you know, you're thought of as like in your career as the junior heavyweight, but you're not a small guy by any stretch of the imagination. Like back then, like when I was around you, you were, yeah, like 235, 240. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always ran around 225. You know, that was that was my average. Right, 215. You know, in the hot time in summer, you know, when we were working every day, you know, yeah. I'd drop 215. But 225 was kind of my normal weight you know and then and uh even though you know as junior heavyweight 220 i think was a was a cut off at that time and uh, so uh mm-hmm. but uh, I, you know when i went to office you know hanging with vents and you know the stress and eating and all that stuff i ballooned yeah. up to like almost 240 you know it's 235 plus you know i never hit the 240 but i i I remember we're getting on the scale. Of, I didn't see Vince in the background, but if Vince was hiding over in the corner, I jumped on the scale somewhere. It was 237. I thought, holy shit. He started laughing. I turned yeah. around. He's, Man, I didn't know you either how much. I said, I can't tell you either how much. I said, 237. He said, damn, you better lose something. And he was right. You know, I think that probably attributed along with the stress and carrying all that extra weight, you know, my health. But. I had my checkups, and the doctor said I'm great. So Jerry, I'll come back for a year. Jerry, but like, so you had a stroke, and then I'm when I was talking to Wes, and I hopefully I got the story right. Now you, there was an aneurysm that was about to burst, and and Vince actually yeah. set you up with a doctor, like one of his doctors, right? Well, that that's the thing. I, I, I you know, I was getting ready. I that had that had to. Three strokes, you know, and about a, a year preceding this, this, this coming up, and I was getting ready. I was, I was already off the road, and I was getting ready to go to Guadalajara, Mexico. Imagine that, yeah. and, uh, and uh, you know, for the wrestling, for the wrestling and, thing, right? Yeah, for the world championship, yeah, exactly. And, uh, very much of wrestling. So, uh, so Wes was taking me to the airport, and I got up that morning. And Sean, I did forty. I did my did my forty five minutes of cardio and took a fifteen minute walk. So I basically did an hour of cardio. Got in the shower, took a shower, got dressed, shaved, and everything. And I come back out, and I said, "Well, before I go to the airport, I'm going to check my email." So I, I couldn't I couldn't do the Control Alt Delete. You know those three uh, right those that little thing that you got to do back in you know to reboot your computer. Yeah. Yeah. to turn the computer on. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't get my fingers to work, you know. So I didn't think anything of it, so I put my computer away, and I said, let's go west. I'm running late, so he put me in a truck. He told me by the time we got from my house to the airport, which is approximately 20, 25 minutes, he couldn't understand my speech, and I couldn't couldn't function. He said, Dad, I'm not letting you go. I said, well, I'm going to go. You know, I'm already I'm already here. I'm going. He said, Dad, I don't want you to go. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not and I couldn't tie my shoe. So I said, I'm going. I said, so he walked around uh, 
uh, and he opened the door. And they opened up the door. I went to I went to get out of his truck, and I fell. And he said, "Dad, I'm not letting you go." And you know me. And I said, "I'm yeah. going." So I I just walked right through him, you know. And I went through security. By the time I got through uh, TSA, I knew, you know, you get on this plane, you'll come back in a body bag, you know. So oh, I called God. Wes, and then he was still at the front of the airport waiting for me to turn around. And uh, and he said, let me circle back around. So he circled back around, picked me up, took me straight to the hospital. And the doctor said, your son saved your life. You know, he, he said, if he hadn't prevented you from getting on that plane, brought you straight to the hospital, you, you probably would have died. So, so, so um, thank you, Hush. So anyway, uh, uh, takes me there. So I spent a week in uh, St. Joe's Hospital there on uh, on uh, uh, Buffalo, Martin Luther King, and, yeah. uh, and they couldn't find what was wrong with me. So uh, at the end of the week, Vince called me, and he said, how you doing, uh, guy? And I said, uh, I started talking. He said, you sound kind of frustrated. I said, well, I've been here a week, Vince, and they don't know why I'm having these reoccurring strokes. And they said, I've had a couple of them and, you know, what they call silent strokes that I didn't even know about. And, yeah. But that one might be on my ass. And so he said, well, are you confident your doctors? And I said, you know, and he said, well, you don't sound very confident. Uh, he said, Let me, you want me to fix you up with somebody? And I said, well, if you know anybody can help me, I'd appreciate it. And he said, I'm going to get you the best uh, cardiologist in the world. So he said, I'll have somebody call you back in about 10 minutes. So about 10 minutes later, Stephanie called me back and said, uh, Gerald, we got you set up in Pittsburgh uh, uh, with a, a, a cardiologist specialist up there, and they, they want to know when you come. And I said, well, I need to go right away, Steph. I said, I mean, I'm scared to death, and, and I was, you know. And yeah. so uh, yeah, she set me up for, for a plane ride and all that the next day, and, uh, and I went to uh, – Pittsburgh alone, you know, thinking I was just going to go up up there and back, you know, and they were going to check me out, you know, and I was going to get to come back. So I went up there, and they, they did some tests. As soon as they, I got to the hospital, they started doing tests on me and uh, shows you the stroke that Vince has, man. And uh, and, uh, and they, they, they found uh, two aneurysms that, they, that was getting ready to pop. One of my, uh, I call it my Gordon Soli artery, the carotid artery, right. cutting off the, the air, carotid, the carotid yeah. artery. And, and my brainstem, that was, both of them were getting ready to pop. And they said, we can't let you go back on an airplane. And uh, uh, I said, well, when can you fix it? And they said, well, what, how long are you going to be here? And I said, well, I'm scheduled to go back tomorrow. He said, no, you're not. You can't go. He said, well, we'll fix it in the morning. So. They set me up 5:30 in the morning. They went in and they they put stents in and in, in, in my carotid artery, my brain stem, and and Vince actually saved my life. You know, yes, he did. Me this. Because yeah. they told me you like one of these guys you see on TV on the video, where a guy gets out of his truck at uh, Home Depot by the time he walks through the door, he drops dead. And nobody knows why. He said, "You're you're at that stage right now." And I said, well, I just won't go to Home Depot. I'll go to Lowe's. <laughs> 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 and so that did make a difference. They still did this procedure. And I, I Vince, Vince, Vince and Stephanie saved my life, man. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the reason I – and that doesn't surprise me, Jerry. But And the, the reason why I bring this up is because everybody's, you know – uh, really quick to demonize Vince McMahon, and yet oh, yeah. there are well, and Stephanie, and Stephanie, yes, and or you know any anybody with the last name McMahon actually, um, yeah. but there are a book full of these type of things 
that you know uh, Vince has done for no pad on the back. Never With told no pads, him. absolutely no pad at all. You so know, I no, and he don't want he don't want he don't do them for that. But he's but he, he deserves he's it because he's a human being. He does them because he's a human being. And he's a caring person. You but, know, people don't understand. Yeah. That. But he deserves it, Jerry, and I want and I want to I want to give him one. I want to give him a bunch. Well, that's that's the reason I'm telling you right now. Yeah. I'm telling you know the millions and millions and millions of, of fans out there that Vince McMahon saved my life, and I and I appreciate it. You know? Yeah, yeah, he saved mine too. Not not as directly. I mean, well, he actually is directly, but I mean in a yeah. different way. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, Vince McMahon is not the devil, ladies and gentlemen. No. Newsflash. <laughs> hey, so. Yeah, news uh, Breaking you, news. You guys, um, Jim, Jimbo and, and Christy, now that I got all uh, the stuff I want out of the way, do you have any questions for Jerry? I have some. Christy, do you? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, I want to start with uh, your style of wrestling and being more like old school and like uh, amateur based. How do you feel about this term like throwbacks used in WWE for people like Cesaro or Jack Gallagher? And how do you feel about those characters in like modern wrestling today? Do you enjoy seeing them? Do you like more of their style compared to more like modern day wrestling? That, that's a great question. And, and, and Cesaro, he, uh, I, I said it on Twitter. He, he's, he's my favorite, favorite guy on, uh, on, uh, on, on TV, I think that guy is just phenomenal. I think what he does in the ring is is just fantastic. Do I think it's throwback? No. Does he does he borrow a lot of moves from the past? Yes. But does he do them his own way? And that's what separates it. And Sean will back us up when you when you. There's nothing original in the business. Every everything is stolen and borrowed, or however you want to phrase it. Sure. But it's adding your little personality, your little touch, and your little movement to it. So. When I see Cesaro, I see Cesaro doing some some of my familiar moves that I, that I grew up watching and admiring. But I see Cesaro doing it his way and not yeah. copying anything, and that that's what makes it so 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 spectacular when he's doing it. Sure, it's an old move, but only one guy does it like Cesaro. Only one guy did the arm drag like Jack Briscoe. Ricky Steamboat tried to tried to copy it, but it's Ricky Steamboat that arm That's drag, right. not Jack Briscoe Dory Funk arm drag. You know, yeah. and uh, so when I see Cesaro and, and Gallagher, uh, you know, I'm Gallagher's kind of new, so it's you know I'm, I'm respecting what he does and respecting his moves, but I don't see him as a throwback. I see the character as a throwback, but you know he's still out there doing. What what guys are doing now? But Cesaro is actually borrowing from the past and doing yeah. things, and and I'm sure Gallagher will get to that point where you know he's more comfortable in the ring. And so I'll tell you when you make you know, your your debuts, and it's not just one; it's several. I mean, that, that pressure is on you, so you fall back on what what you're going to do best. And I think that's what Gallagher's doing, you know, because he's he's a, he's a worker number one, and he's he's a character number two. So. I think he he'll finally he'll 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 get get that blend of worker and character where it's fine honed in and 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 be 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 like Cesaro. But uh, I'm I'm Cesaro's biggest fan. To tell you me too. To me, Cesaro is uh, reminds me of Carl Gotch. If Carl Gotch was actually entertaining in the ring and not just <laughs> yeah, a good shooter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know you're, I still, you. you're still working as a scout, as a talent scout for WWE, right? So what do you think of the up-and-coming talent that's out there at, at universities or in the indies? 
is there some promising talent out there? Well, there, there sure is. I just, I was, I was fortunate enough. The company sent me down to, to Rio to the Olympics for ten days, and we we scouted uh, guys down there, not only from the wrestling genre of the Olympics, but uh, uh, the other forms of um, uh, martial arts. And we brought back uh, about eight potential prospects. So I'm really excited about them. And I, I got a couple of guys in the college ranks. I never like to mention these guys' names because right. they're still in college, and now I don't want to embarrass anybody or put any added pressure on anybody. You don't want to jeopardize their – they, they, they know who they are, and you, I've talked to them already. And you don't I, want got, to, I got a pretty good group of kids. Jerry, you don't want to jeopardize their amateur status either. No, no, no. Does that We're even talking about them all? Well, right. you know, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, but I remember when that was a thing. If you were like a professional wrestler, yeah. you couldn't wrestle oh, in the yeah, Olympics or anything. But now, all, all you know, I won't say all of them, you know, because they're not all. But you know, the basketball players, they're all pro players, you know, and so yeah. uh, you know, they they eased that, and guys were able to get uh, get. Uh, stipends and supplements to um, I'm to happy win, about you know, that. because that's where USA was falling behind in Olympics because all these European governments they sponsor their athletes at 100 percent right. you know and so our guys that had to work and make a living and raise a family and train big sales time and so we we weren't getting anywhere in Olympics Seriously. and uh, now that they've changed the policy a little bit and allows these guys to get sponsors, you know, it's working out a lot better for them. It is pretty sad, Jerry, when you got to have a bake sale to send somebody to the Olympics. And I, I mean, I see that, and I just, my heart bleeds for these kids, you know. They worked all their life for that, yeah. then they got to depend on selling pies and cakes to, to be able to make the trip, you know. Yeah, Jerry. I tell you, tell you what I did. I, I, I took a, a bunch of my frequent flyer miles and donated it to a, to a particular family uh for a, for a mom to go go to Rio this year. Oh, so great! That's how that's how you can that's how you can help. You exactly. Know, anybody listening out there, yeah. you know, just call the call your favorite sports uh, federation and tell them you know that you got some mommies and you want to donate to a, a family member for a trip and you know they'll take you up on it. Nice, Jerry. Um, uh, you you make trips to to wrestling schools around the country. And I know you like you. Yes, I do. Uh, one of one of my favorites uh, is the Monster Factory, and uh, and I know you've gone there several times. And um, they have some, they sure have some studs in the Monster wow. Factory, huh? Well, you know, Danny gets it. Danny Cage, yeah. the, the proprietor and, and the guy that operates, he gets it. He know he knows. You know, he and he he's so smart. He's so he's asking questions of you and me and. Regal and everybody else that, that they can get an earshot to, you know. And he's he not only asking the questions, but when he gets the answers, he's taking them and applying them yeah. to his training. So he he's making these kids that up there, and they've got to some serious studs up there. He's making these kids ready, you know, for our, for NXT before yeah. they get there because of, of, of the knowledge that he's gained by asking questions and bringing guys like me, you, and other guys in yeah. to, to help his training sessions, and he busts his butt, you know, and he's not making a lot of money right now, but it, you know, he's getting a better reputation nationwide, and, uh, you know, he, he, he'll he get there. And you know, then, he's, he's a good businessman. And when, you know, when you go to the Monster Factory, you put in the work. So when... When one yes, of those, when one of, gets a dollar out, yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. When one of those guys uh, ends up going to NXT for a tryout, they're already in shape. Their tongue's not dragging on the ground, you know. They're not they're not bowing out of Hindu squats a hundred and, you know. 
uh, things like that. And and the one guy that uh, to me is the standout, and there's a lot of studs that came out of there yeah. like recently, Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, yeah. he was one that came out, and then he what a quick learn he was, you know, and what a what a stud he is, you know. And I I love a kid in and out of the ring. He's he's a first class young man. Yeah, yeah. Well, go ahead, Jimbo. And then that Nick uh, Nick Cuomo, Nick. Uh, what a stud he is. Yeah, yeah. Nick, big Nick. He, he's a, he's a, he's another one. And Steve Cutler, that's with NXT right now. That's yep. that's one of uh, Danny's guys. You know. Yeah, that, that guy. I was able to get in. Yeah, know. he's a he's a he's a marine, and he was uh you know yeah. he fought he fought in uh in, in Desert Storm, Afghanistan. Yeah, oh, Afghanistan. Yeah, he's a veteran. Yeah. So, any any more questions for uh, well, I was Jerry? Gonna say it seems like you go to like MMA or amateur wrestling shows to scout talent, whereas like I've been at PWG and Regal is at PWG scouting talent. Do they send certain agents to certain things to look? Like, knowing that you have an eye for amateur wrestling, they send you to, like, MMA and amateur shows as opposed to sending you to, like, just independent wrestling shows and being like, go scout talent. Yeah, well, that, that's really that's really what I signed up for was the college. And then Regal, Regal has such knowledge of these independent guys out there, and, and, and I have so much respect for these young men and women that are trying to make it, you know, in the business and the are struggling in these independent scenes, and anybody listening that has an independent show near you, get out and support them because they're very your future stars. William Regal does, his office does send him to these independent shows, and he does a tremendous uh, a search on them and uh, and got a great database, and he does most of the independent guys. I do a few camps around, like for Danny and up in Iowa. My, my, uh, my, my pet project is the, the Dan Gable Museum Hall of Fame up in Waterloo, Iowa, I always put on a free camp up up and give all the proceeds to uh, to the Dan Gable Museum every summer when they, they have their Hall of Fame uh, award banquet. We have a pretty good turnout up there and have have a good card. The promoter there is an old school promoter, Troy Peterson, uh, uh, up in Waterloo. A big shout out to him because he puts on first class shows and he, he don't he don't mess with the talent. He treats talent fairly. Treats them with respect and class that they deserve, and the, and the kids work work for him real hard because of the way he treats them, and uh, and that's the way you run an operation. But Regal does most of the independence. I do those two camps, and uh, and that kind of what all, all I want to do. I don't want to really. I, I'm 70, you know, so I, I I I wear myself out doing doing national tournaments, you know, so. Uh, at the end of at the end of the season, at the end as we get near the end of the season, I'll do like six weeks in a row, you know. So, and for me, that's that's a lot of travel nowadays, you know. And it and it gets it wears my ass out, honestly. And uh, so that's enough for me. And I and I'm fortunate enough where I'm able to to say that's what I want and and get it, you know. <laughs> and not too many guys can, but I've been fortunate enough in this business that I I get that opportunity and. Uh, and so they send Regal to the to the independent uh, shows, and he scouts talent there. And they, that's it. It's me, Regal, uh, Canyon Seaman, who is a tremendous uh, 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 world class athlete from Stanford. A very he's a volleyball player, educated young man. Yeah, he's a volleyball he, player. Yeah, he he's a, he's he's the head of East Paul's uh, right hand yeah. man when it comes to talent development, and and then the staff's starting to grow because we're we're expanding. We're 
we kind of we, I kind of pioneered this thing and uh, you know the scouting and uh, it's growing and it's you know expanding and it's it's kind of cool you know what we're doing now and then and, and that's the thing that Vince realizes and, and Paul uh, Hunter realizes that the territories aren't out there nowadays to get your talent from you know there's a very small even with all the independents there's a very small talent pool out there there's a lot of deserving guys that don't get looks at but should. And there, if they don't give up, their day will come. You know, just don't give up. The don't shit, give up. You know, keep, keep fighting. And, uh, and, and that's what I tell these guys. Hey, it might not come this year, but if you want this thing bad enough, you're gonna you're gonna keep working. You're gonna find a way to to make it work, and you know, and eventually you will. But you know, keep don't don't let one person define who the hell you are. You're the only person that can define who you are. If you want to quit, quit. If you want to be a weekend warrior. Be the best damn weekend warrior you can possibly possibly be, and entertain those. If there's one fan in there, or two thousand fans in there, entertain them like they're they're all full houses at Madison Square Garden. That's how you get oh, to the top. And we love that. I love that. Well, and Jerry, we're gonna let you go soon, but we gotta ask you about one more wrestler. That would be the Paragon Pro Wrestling Tag Team Champion, Wes Briscoe. Yeah. <laughs> what is he up to wow. these days? Well, Wes is—he's one of those guys I'm talking about. He's living a dream. He's trying, trying to make it, you know. And he, he, his hard work, his payoff—he's been fortunate. He's had a, a few opportunities. He's, uh, he's now he's been going back and forth to the UK over there, and they seem to like him a whole lot over there. And uh, of course, Paragon—you know—they've they've used him and put the tag team champions on him. And Jesse Sorensen, and what a story that young man is. He's another one. Oh, yeah. Just bust through the top because he broke his neck at TNA, you know, and had some really bad luck. But this young man, this he's a fighter and a half and, and a survivor. And so him and West have teamed up, and they're hitting uh, the indie circuits, and they're going around. They're in Texas. They're up in Canada. They're all over. So West is working hard, and he's trying to trying to make it, and he's struggling like everybody else. And it breaks my heart sometimes to see him, and I try to talk him out of doing what he's doing, and and I had a really long talk with Arn Anderson. I got to give Arn some props on this. And uh, <clears throat> I was telling Arn uh, Wes's struggles, and I, and, I, and I told Arn, I said I want him to quit. And uh, Arn said, "What did he tell you?" He told me he don't want to. He said, "What would you do?" You know, threw it right back at me. I did the same thing. He said, "Well, there's your answer. You know, go yeah. for it." Yeah, no, it'll it'll happen for Wes and and. And look, I, Jerry, you know, I was there in uh, FCW when Wes was there. And uh, right. that that was, look, Wes Briscoe and, uh, being let go uh, from FCW was such BS. I'm not afraid to say it. I am not afraid to say it. I know this. I'm not going to bring all it all out, like, on here right now. But uh, it was bullshit that, that yeah. he was let go. Every, every coach here agrees with you. Yes, so I'll, I'll just leave it at that. And he's fantastic, and Wes is going to – it's not even close to over for Wes Briscoe. Not even close. No, he'll make, he'll make it that. because of his drive. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Jerry, I thank you so much. I mean, it's wow. I, I'm so honored that, that you spent this time with us. And uh, I miss you very much, and I love you, man. I love you, Jerry. I love you, man. Uh, you know, I miss seeing you down here. I miss our little chats, you know. Yeah. Uh, when we see each other, you're you're a great friend, Sean, and and I wish you nothing better. And I'm so happy for you that your life's turning and you're you're doing the right things now. And uh, 
I'm just thrilled to death for you. I love you to death. You're you're one of my favorite people. And Thank you so much. We go Eric. back, you know, and, yeah. and and when you when you asked me yesterday, I couldn't say yes fast enough because yeah. I have so much respect for you and what you've done, what you've done with yourself, and the support you've shown me. You know, when and when I was uh, starting that office job and, and support that you guys gave me, I I just owe you too much to say no. So thank you. Oh, oh, it's just been it's been a pleasure, Jerry. And you know, so I guess at the very least, I'll see you at WrestleMania. You got that right, my friend. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, man. Have an awesome day. Well, thank you and the crew there, and I enjoy LA, and uh, you know, I'm enjoying Tampa, Florida, and I'm living in Keystone, Florida. We changed our name out here from Odessa to Keystone. Odessa, yeah. Yeah. So, sweet home, Keystone. So I'm here. So. Beautiful day, beautiful day, and everybody, I'll leave you with this, and I'll go, I'll shut up. Everybody said, what's your long-term goals, Briscoe? And I said, getting up in the morning. I tell them to go like (laughs) it, getting up in the morning. So you guys have a great evening, and thanks so much for giving me the time and listening to an old man, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Wow. Gosh, Jerry Briscoe, that was just absolutely unbelievable. And we will be back to decompress in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Hey guys, Maria Menunos here. We want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. We're back with more X-Pac 12360. We just chatted with legend Jerry Briscoe. Oh my gosh, I have to say, I, I always take notes for the really good stuff as they're talking, and I have like 20 notes. Wow. At That's least. how juicy this one was, at least. So are you saying all the rest of them weren't? No, no, no actually, I, I should admit that I usually do have 20 things. I have to narrow it down. I'm making those headlines that y'all are reading on the dirt sheets. Right. No, Jerry Briscoe is amazing. I... Uh, I like I was saying earlier, 25 years I've known Jerry, and so I just decided I would go back and just read a little bit to see if I if there was anything I missed. So I'm glad I did. We got a few things. Uh, we talked about a few things that you know I I I wanted to know the answers to, not just for the people at home, but for myself. Yeah, that you've so, never heard before. Yeah. I love that. Well, and what you do usually hear from people is they kind of heap on the praise onto you at the end of the interview. And you usually like poo-poo all that. And you're like, no, 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 no. And this one, you you really beamed yeah. when he when he said all that. And that was really cool. Oh, isn't that what these things end up being? Anyways, a little bit of a circle jerk. We just <laughs> jerk like, each other only off. Only the last two minutes or so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll see what goes down next week with our special guest, Jerry Lynn. Yes, you heard me correctly. Jerry Lynn will be joining us next week. Can't wait for it. And if you guys want to make sure you keep up with all the latest Xbox 12360 news, make sure you like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Xbox 12360 show. And follow us on Instagram for some fun pics at Xbox 12360. You can always reach out to me personally. You know I love the news scoop and love to give my opinion. Hit me up at Christy Reports on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. And please also check out the Mori Post 
Povich show next Wednesday, December 21st, as I'm co-hosting a segment with him. It's not like a who's the daddy thing. So check me out there. And Jimbo, where can they find you? Oh, I really wish it was a who's the daddy thing. That would so funny. You not this year. Because you don't want to have babies at all. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Jimbo in the booth. I want to thank two of our fans that sent in some really nice things. Uh, Matt Ward at WarriorMW23 sent us a review of all his favorite wrestling podcasts. I believe all of them were After Buzz shows. And Christy was in two of them. One of them was the Xbox 12360 show. Well, thank you. And Jay Hyatt out in Australia at Jacob underscore Hyatt, H-I-G-H-E-T-T, sent me this really nice DM of just how Sean was always his favorite wrestler and he's always like looked up to him and had his poster on the wall Mm -hmm. and how much he enjoys the show. And I just want to thank you guys for showing your support and your love. Yeah, thanks. I You know what? Oh, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealXPac. Uh, Instagram, the gram, however they say that these days, Real Xbox, just at Real Xbox. So, um, and like you were saying, next week we're going to have Jerry Lynn on. And for anybody that doesn't know, uh, there would be no Xbox, Sean Waltman, one, two, three kid if it wasn't for Jerry Lynn. And I'll leave it at that for now, but next week uh, be prepared for one hell of a show. Uh, And anyway, we'll see you all next week. You can listen to us right here next week as well. Uh, X-Pac 12360. Yeah! From executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, Kevin Undergaro, show producer Jimbo Frank, managing editor of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Christy Olsen, and managing producer of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Mark Bidonica, and the entire X-Pac 12360 staff. We would like to thank you for tuning in. Feel free to like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow XPOC on Twitter at TheRealXPOC and email us at XPOC12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV Network. Buzz you later!